0: Shabbat Shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Here we are with another Shabbat, and today we're doing what we did last week. We're going to basically open the floor, open the uh, open mic, so to speak, although we're not going to be doing any kind of music or singing here, but rather just opening the mic for those who would like to come on. And if you or anybody that you know of would be interested in coming on here, go to the description in the YouTube at YouTube, uh, My YouTube channel, in the description, there's a link to join me live right now. And welcome to those of you who are on TikTok. Also, uh, I am streaming live on YouTube and on several other platforms. And I am inviting anybody who wants to come on uh, within reason, I'm talking about, okay? I mean, trolls will be vetted. uh, But uh, if you're interested in coming on, whether you like me or loathe me whatever the case is as long as you are half decently re uh, respectful um you are welcome to come on and talk to me challenge me the link will be in the description on my youtube channel so let's see what we have here in the chat and by the way those of you uh who are listening if you are interested or if you know of anybody, let's say, oh yeah, I remember this, you know, this uh, my cousin or my friend or my next door neighbor or whatever that might be interested in coming on and talking to you, even if they don't know me, to say, hey, you know, there's this guy on on YouTube right now, he's live, you know, he believes in following the commandments of God. Do you believe that (laughs) somebody who's a, you know, who follows Yeshua and believes in following the, in, in actually obeying God. I mean, is that, isn't that amazing? And if you would like to talk to him about that, if you disagree with him, come on with all of your arsenal, come on live right now. Again, the link is in the, in the description on YouTube. Okay. So send out those invites, uh, At the moment, right now, there is nobody in the back room, in the, in the, uh, you know, waiting, so to speak, backstage. There's nobody backstage, in spite of how many people I invited as well. Perhaps, uh, these people just didn't come on yet, or perhaps you're still in there in the background, uh, lurking in the background, or you're trying to come on. Uh, whatever the case is, I have spoken to a few people, especially in the comments on YouTube or excuse me, on TikTok and invited. Uh, a few of these brothers to come and, and talk to me. And in, in fact, there was one who actually sent me an email and he asked me if he could come on. Uh, I'm uh, If you're there, if you're there, um, let me see here. We got a person. You guys who follow me on YouTube, you might recognize the name The Propriate. He goes by the handle The Propriate. Uh, he sent me an email and he said that he would like to come on today and debate with me so i said sure come on come on uh you know come on and debate so if you're there um just use that link and as soon as i see you on there i will bring you on okay in the meantime you guys if you can invite as many people as you can imagine send that link out what i mean not the link to join but the, the link especially to this to watch this um this video, either on TikTok or on YouTube. And we will begin. We will begin. That's you know, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. Um, I want to talk to anybody who is willing to have a half decent conversation with me. And even if you're not willing to have a half de- decent conversation, come on anyway, because if you if you're not half decent, you're just going to make a fool of yourself. And I'm pretty sure most of the people watching this will just laugh at you anyway. So, Either case, come on. The link is in the, in the description on my YouTube channel. Let's see what we have here in the chat. One John says, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, One John. Kalamentos uh, on YouTube says, Shabbat Shalom. Jeff says, Shabbat Shalom. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Blessings multiplied to you guys. The Tower of Time says, Shabbat Shalom. And howdy, brothers and sisters. Bless y'all. Howdy, Bless you more and welcome, as always, brother. It's always great to have you. Psalm ninety-four. And before I go on, if there's anybody here, if you want to come on, and even just share a testimony. Now, if I know you, I mean, if you're if you're a, a if you're a regular here, like the ones that everyone that I just mentioned here so far in the live chat. Plus, there's um, there's you know many others that. I know you. Okay, you're you're in the live chat a lot. I know you're not a troll. Uh, even if you don't want to come on with video, if you just want to come on audio, you want to share a testimony, you guys are welcome. Um, I'll give you uh, give you guys the uh, the exception to the rule because I know you. So uh, just just saying, if you want to um, come on and share a little bit of a testimony, you're welcome to do that if you feel so inclined. If not. No pressure, of course, no obligation. Uh, the invitation's open, though. Uh, so Psalm 94 says, uh, Shabbat Shalom on this lovely day. Blessings to all, blessings multiplied back to you, and welcome as well. Those of you who are on TikTok, I am welcoming my friends and challenging my foes over there on YouTube right now. We are we are live on YouTube, and I have a link right now on my YouTube channel um, on my YouTube channel, on the video, uh, welcoming everybody, again, friend info, uh, to come on and have a chat with me. So, if you'd like to do that, move on over to YouTube and meet me over there. You'll find the um, you find the link in the description. Mark says, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom Mark. Uh, the Great Deception says, Shabbat Shalom to you all, many blessings to you and yours multiply back to you brother and welcome as always good to see you elizabeth says shabbat shalom everyone shabbat shalom elizabeth the second first as well says shabbat shalom everyone yes shabbat shalom to you as well welcome welcome hope you guys are having a wonderful wonderful shabbat so far um okay one john says what was uh jackson's website address if you remember um yahad.me. I think I still got it here in the, um, now he's got several, actually he's got several different blogs and websites. Uh, this is one of them. Okay. Yahad.me. Um, the other ones I have in the description on last night's video. Okay. So he's got several of them, but that's the one he actually, um, mentioned last night. Wasn't that that was that was that was awesome, wasn't it? With uh, Doctor Snyder last night, Doctor Snyder was was a blessing. Uh, you know, praise God for that. Brother uh, Joshua says Shabbat Shalom, brother Shabbat Shalom, Joshua. I'm good to see you. <laughs> uh, the Tower of Time says I might look like a troll. LOL. Well, <laughs> we don't go by mere appearance around here, okay? We don't go by mere appearance around here, so. If you look like a troll, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. So what I'm going to do here, uh, so far in spite of all the invitations that I, especially to those who are not so much my friends, but my foes, those people, especially on, on TikTok, the people that hide behind the comments that all they do is just name call. All they do is just shoot out names and, and, uh, verses that are taken way out of context and you know they hide behind the limited comments and uh, these people uh I've I've invited them and so in spite of all the invitations that I put out there nobody is is on in the backs nobody's backstage yet in in YouTube on YouTube so yes and if you know of anybody who's willing or is up for the challenge again, Send them, shoot them a message. Say, hey, Chris Renock is live right now. Go on over there. You know, even if it's just a couple minutes. You want to come on here for a couple minutes? I'll speak to you. A couple minutes. Jerome says, Shalom, shalom, Jerome, good to see you. Welcome over there on YouTube. Okay. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna read. So um so the procreate sent me an email, and I hope he comes on here s- shortly. I mean, he's the one that actually came and sent me a message, at, you know, basically saying, "Can I come on?" I said, "Yes, please come on." Um, I said, "You're welcome to come on." So he wants to talk about uh, basically life after death, um, or basically, uh, he says that he's an annihilationist, um, and uh, that, that got me. Th- kind of put me into the into the mode or into the mood of talking a, a little bit about life after death so what I want to do here in the meantime I want to read from second Esdras chapter 7 by the way for those of you who have never heard uh, my audiobook on YouTube second Esdras uh go over there uh, and and listen to it <coughs> excuse me it is my um what was my most viewed video. I I mean, I got, I'm pretty, I'm not even sure how many videos I have there on YouTube right now, but I think it's well over a thousand. Uh, and so out of all those videos, um, second Esdras, the audio book. Okay. What I do is I read through second Esdras from beginning to end every single word. I don't add any, I don't do any kind of commentaries. I don't break it at all. I just read it as an audio book. And that video is like the number one most viewed video on my YouTube channel. Uh, it for the most for the most part. I think I think that other video, a little short video, kind of went ahead of that for a while. I'm not sure if it's ahead of that, but it is like it's up there anyway. If it's not number one, it's number two. So if you haven't listened to Second Esdras, you need to you need to listen to it. By the way, Second Esdras was in all basically all Bible. Maybe I shouldn't say all because the the commonly accepted bible canon like the king james version back in 1611 and you know in the 17th century the 18th century second esdras was in the bible for a good part a good you know a good part of the history of the bible now um, history not history but rumor has it that is it was the roman catholic church that actually decided to kind of snub second esdras second esdras is an absolutely phenomenal book every christian every believer doesn't matter whether you're a christian or a messianic or even if you are just just a believer you don't even know whether you're a christian or a messianic or you don't even know what you are it doesn't matter you need to read second esdras or at least go over to my youtube channel and listen to it look listen to second esdras Absolutely phenomenal book. It answers a lot of questions that um, that Christians would have, uh, not just Christians again. I mean, a lot of people would have, like what happens life after death. It also talks about the end times. It talks about eschatology. It talks about the. It talks about Judgment Day. Uh, it talks about so many different things. It's just absolutely phenomenal. You need to. Uh, you need to listen to it or read it, whatever the case is. Vida says, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Vida. Great to see you. Welcome, welcome. I hope you're having an awesome Shabbat. Actually, I think probably Shabbat would be uh, almost over there where you are, but I hope you had a good Shabbat. Let me put it that way. You and yours. Blessings. Mark says, are you going to talk about the removed verses? I could. I could talk about some. I mean, there are so many... (laughs) That's a big question because there are so many. Uh, <laughs> how do you define remove verses, right? Because uh, we we're you know, just talking about Second Esdras. That whole entire book was removed out of the Roman Catholic canon, and then thus the Cat- uh, the Protestants had adopted the Roman Catholic canon and whittled away some more books out of it. But um, I mean, that whole entire book is is removed verses the whole thing. The uh, whole thing removed verses right there. Um, I could talk about some of the removed verses, such as the the verses in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Mark. I'm not sure exactly what what you have in mind there, but I could talk about that, yes. Um, Andrew says, hey. Hey, Andrew. Good to see you. Again, those of you who are on TikTok, uh, move on over to YouTube and click the link in the description if you want to face me. If you want to face me and and talk to me about uh, my doctrine, whether you like it or not, if you want to, if you if you if you want to just hang in the background and go, hey, you know, I'm just here and you know and just listening, that's fine. That's fine. The ones about hell, uh, okay. Um, do you have any um, references there? References. Oh, Vita says, thank you, sir. Yes, it is now 1935 p.m. Rotterdam Rotterdam time. All right. So, yeah. So technically speaking, we have um, over there um, in Holland, the uh, Shabbat is is pretty much finished. But uh, good to see you anyway, Vita. Uh, The Great Deception says, have you heard about the Westminster Confession? I've heard... That's where they reduced to sixty six books. Um, I've heard about it, and you know what? Like it's it's very, um, it's very unclear uh, exactly who did that and what the process. I mean, it wasn't uh, the whole thing about bringing it down to sixty six books again. That's that's a Protestant thing. Um, and there's many different. Uh, I think it's important to also realize that there are many different uh, theories as to how Protestants have reduced it down to sixty-six books. Um, you know, I, I like you know uh, the uh, the founder and uh, president or CEO of uh, Sefer Publishing, um, who produces the uh, Sefer Bible, uh, Dr. Stephen Pigeon. I've heard him talk about it and. Uh, according to him, he says that the uh, it was a uh, publishing company by the name of Benjamin Bentley, uh, you know, way back in the day, who decided to do um, it's almost like a social experiment. Um, let's see if if we print Bibles with only sixty six books in it. Let's see if we can sell as as many as we do with the apocrypha in it. And lo and behold, they did. It's almost like it's almost like now when you go to a lumber yard and you buy a two by four, you're not actually getting a two by four. You're getting a slimmed down version of it. It's not really a two by four. And that's the way it was back then. According to Stephen Pidgeon, they kind of took the they took the Bible and they they cut off pieces of it. They cut off the Apocrypha, um, something like Second Ezra. And that's the reason why we got what we got today. So there are different uh, theories on that. Um and I find it amazing because there, there's not there. We have no historical proof of, of you know exactly how. Like, let me just say this: there's evidence, uh, as Stephen Pidgeon believes that th- he has evidence. I'm, I'm sure that there's the Westminster Confession, and in those people who believe that that is evidence of it. Um, however, I mean, it's it's very very. Um, arguable it's very questionable how did we get that and i find it very it's kind of amusing but kind of sad in a way because there's so many christians so many protestants that stake their soul upon the 66 book canon and yet they don't even know how it how it came into being they just say well the holy spirit did it well it's god that did it well god he you know but how do you know like a serious question i'm not you know i'm not I'm not being like, you know, obstinate here. I like a serious question. How do you know? Yeshua himself, Jesus himself, there was no prophet, no priest, no king in the Bible that ever said that the Lord, you know, thus saith the Lord, here is a list of 66 books. I'll write it down for you. I'll take my quill. You know, an angel came to me and i here are the here are the 66 books use these books put it all together in one book and call it the holy Bible never 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 um, so that's 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 the case there uh really in that in that sense I would say the Bible is unbiblical the Bible is unbiblical and truly it is it's not in the Bible that we should even have a 66 book canon or a 72 or 74 book canon, or even an 81 book canon for, for that matter, you know, looking at uh, the Ethiopian Bible has 81 books in it. Um, by the way, their, their canon is, is a phenomenal canon as well. I love it. Uh, the books that they have in it, the um, second, uh, excuse me, um, the book of Enoch, the book of Jubilees, and many, many other books, mo- much more than... Uh, of course, much more than the Roman Catholics and much more than the other Orthodox churches, it's amazing. I was going to say Yeshua. I guess that is your name in the Hebrew, right? Joshua. Yeshua said. Um, hope you don't mind me calling you Yeshua a little bit. Uh, I'll call you Joshua maybe. Um, so he says. Yesterday, I wanted to add two more points as evidence for uh, for Yeshua. For Joshua, <laughs> for, for Joshua being, by the way, if you're not familiar with what I'm doing right now, I'm kind of, it's a kind of a wordplay. Because actually, Jesus, his name is Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name for Joshua. It's the same name as Joshua, as in the book of Joshua, as in the successor of Moses. It's the same name. Joshua, Yahushua, Yahushua, Yeshua, Yeshu, Jesus, Yesus, yes. Isa, whatever you want to call him. Um, it's the same name. Um, anyway, um, so two more points. The reason I said he was of the school of Hillel is because when asked, what are the two greatest commands? Yeshua responds, loving God, Shema, with and loving your neighbor. Hillel taught that. Shammai taught his school that the two greatest were loving God and keeping the Shabbat. Yeshua agreed with Halal. Except for divorce, I think that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, Yeshua taught against Halal when it comes to divorce. He taught, and and again, um, I can't help but think about how Yeshua operated against the principles of Halal in the sense that he didn't open the floor to everybody being his disciple. He... Specifically, handpicked twelve disciples. Now, having said that, I mean, I'm not dead set on saying that Yeshua is from the school of Shemai; that he's a Pharisee from the school of Shemai. But um, I, I say, okay, we got Roger in the back in backstage there. Roger, just a second. Um, yeah, so I'm not dead set on that. I'm just, I'm just, just speculating here. Um, I mean, it's very, it's very possible too. I mean, I have an open mind about this and we, I think we all need to have an open mind or else we will we'll never learn. Uh, but uh, I have an open mind. And, I mean, it's possible that he was not a scene as well. I, I'm not saying he was okay. I'm just saying because of the fact that it doesn't seem like he, li- he lined up a hundred percent with Hillel and doesn't seem like he, he lined up a hundred percent with Shammai. Um, in, in that particular instance, that is, now I haven't really, uh, Joshua, I haven't um, confirmed that. I'm not too sure about that, about uh, the, the the two greatest commandments according to Shammai, um, assuming you're you're correct. Um, so he didn't line up 100% with Shammai either. Um, in my own mind, I think he lines up more with Shammai than with Hillel uh, for the reasons that I mentioned. Uh, and I find it interesting as well that the Jews... Say that the Messiah will come from the school of Shemai. When he comes back, he's going to he's going to rule and reign basically uh, as a Shemai uh, disciple, so to speak, as, as from the from the school of thought of Shemai. And so I thought, you know, Yeshua really just fits right right into that. Um, but again, hey, um, I'm not I'm not making any statement of fact here. I'm just speculating. Just as much as anybody. Uh, hold on there, Roger. I'll get to you in just a minute. Uh, let me just finish up with Joshua here. Joshua says also, Shemai wasn't in, wasn't as welcoming for Gentile inclusion as Hillel was very much for Gentile uh, inclusion. We see we see Yeshua's for Gentile inclusion as well. Well, <laughs> um. As I read it, Joshua, it's like Yeshua was very much against Gentile inclusion. He's like, I'm only here for this, for the children of Israel. And then when a Gentile came for, for a miracle, he's like, I'm not going to give the children, the children's bread to the dogs. Like he literally called a Gentile woman, a dog. Um. Again, to me, it sounds more Shammai than Hillel. That's, that's all I got to say. I mean, Again, I'm not, I don't want to make a big deal of it, but my own um, view of it, I think that's what it, what it looks like. Don't want to go on too much here about uh, Yeshua being uh, Hillel versus Shammai, but I will. Let's let's just see a little bit more about what Joshua says. And then I'm going to pull Roger on here. Um, Joshua says the last point for him being a Pharisee is in John 1, 21 uh, to 27, the Pharisees come to John the Immerser and ask him if he is the Messiah. But John said, he is among you, those who, those, you were the Pharisees. Um, I mean, the question is too, uh, was, it in, was it exclusively Pharisees that, were, that came? I, from my impression was that it's like pretty much everybody came to John the Immerser um Pharisees and <laughs> everybody. Um, I, I see your point. Um, my my question would be if it's if it's exclusively Pharisees, then yeah you have that's a really good point, but I and um, again that could be arguable um, and, and and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Jesus wasn't a Pharisee. I'm just saying, you know if he was, I understand your points, I understand how people would say i understand the common conception of jesus being a Pharisee is that he was from the school of hello the the school of the uh uh the school school of thought of Hillel. I get that i understand that um However, looking at it in those points that I mentioned, it seems like he was a little bit more shemai in my, in my point of view. Joshua says, I, think, I just think it's interesting. Pharisees were like lawyers, and at Yeshua's court hearing, he represented himself, probably because he was a Pharisee, an expert in Jewish halakha. Um, I understand that Pharisees could be like lawyers. Yeah. Um, my question would be, how many people, historically speaking, how many people who went who were uh, went to trial in those days actually went with a Pharisee representing them, or went self represented? Um. Yeah. Uh it, again it's possible uh as as far as Yeshua being a Pharisee in court representing himself uh because he was a Pharisee and expert in Ju- Jewish halakha I would buy I would buy that if he used halakha in his discourse uh in his defense um in in, in his trial which he didn't it seemed. I mean as far as we know as far as I know he didn't. Um, so those are my thoughts on that, but very, very good, um, very good, uh, uh, very good thinking there, Joshua. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a lot, you know, a lot of Christians wouldn't even, a lot of Christians would be, uh, get their hair standing up on end when it comes to, uh, the, even the thought that of Jesus being a Pharisee, you know, a lot of Christians were, they'd be like, well, Jesus, uh, he's you know uh, he was against the Pharisees. How can be a, how can he be a Pharisee? You know, and in, in their minds, it's like anybody who's anybody who's pro Torah or anybody who tells anybody else they need to obey the commandments of God is a Pharisee, and they use Paul to oppose the Torah observant believers, right? And so. Um, what they don't realize is they they use they use uh, they stake their soul upon the teachings of Paul, who declares himself to be a Pharisee. If there's anybody in the scriptures that that brags about being a Pharisee, it's Paul. And yet they they use Pharisee as a smear against uh, Torah observers. Okay, so um, we have Roger with us. Roger, many of you would know Roger. Uh, We see him in the chat every once in a while, um, who goes by the handle, the appropriate. Goes by the handle, the appropriate. Someone in the comments on TikTok says, Paul is the first antichrist. And Global Witness sent cap, goggles and cap. Thank you very much for that. Now, those of you are on TikTok, um, I'm, I'm also live on YouTube right now, excuse me, and I am I have a guest on U- YouTube right now. Unfortunately, you guys on TikTok are not going to be able to see my guests on TikTok. You're going to be able to see me, but not my guest. So if you want to be able to see both of us speak, you're going to be able to hear me speak, but not uh, Roger. If you want to hear both me and Roger, if you want to get in on the conversation or watch the conversation and not just one side of the conversation, you want to watch the conversation, go on over to YouTube. Um, You'll find my YouTube channel in my bio on TikTok. There's a little YouTube icon thing. You you click on tap on that and um, and uh, it will take you right to my YouTube channel and you'll find that I'm live right now. I'm live right now on YouTube. If if that's uh too much, I mean if that gives you too much too many problems, just go over to YouTube and um and and uh, search for Christopher Enoch. You'll find my channel should be the first thing that comes up, and you'll find that I'm live right now. That way you'll be able to hear Roger when he speaks. All right. So Okay, Roger, shalom Hello. brother. Shalom. Shalom, how are you doing?
1: i'm good how are you
0: yeah so far so good roger uh yeah so um you wanted to come on and talk about um annihilationists annihilationism
1: yep yep okay uh first of all i want to say that uh i'm sorry i'm late i uh, i'm on central time and i'm used to being on eastern time so oh okay (laughs) so Hope that's okay. Yeah, yeah, um, no
0: problem. No problem. Like, I guess you, you moved uh, recently or something like that?
1: Yeah, I moved from Florida to, to uh, Tennessee, okay. living, in a, living in a campground in, in Tennessee. Okay, okay. I'm glad the internet is working because a lot of times it's not, but uh, it seems like it's doing okay.
0: All right, yeah, so far so good then.
1: Yeah, and, and I just want to say I, I love what you're doing. This uh, daily thing is just awesome. It's really great. I I have listened quite a bit. A lot of times I just keep quietly in the background, but I'm, I'm there a lot. Um, so, are you ready for me to go? Um, well,
0: yeah, well, actually, um, just to give everybody a little bit of a heads up here. Um, so, Roger sent me an email, was it a couple of days ago? And I um, uh, said that he is an annihilationist and uh would like to talk about that um like what i would like to do just to just to share i'm not going to get into the doctrine right now but just to share like how i'm approaching this i think it's very important um to because um i would not count myself as an annihilationist i think roger knows that by his uh email so Upfront, and I've said this before. Upfront, I think that we should always approach. Now, um, Roger, I'm not just talking to you, uh, and Mm -hmm. you can, you know, you 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 do whatever you 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 see fit and what's right to do. Uh, But I'm talking about everybody else that's listening. Perhaps um, you guys that are listening, you don't you don't really know where to where you sit, where you know what position to take on this uh, this issue. So this is the thing. So uh, Roger believes that um, there's no eternal punishment in hell or eternal torment in hell. Rather, it's just a, um, uh, you just cease to exist, um, to make it very simple. Whereas I believe that there is eternal punishment. Um, So I'm not sure the people that are listening to this, where you all stand and maybe you're maybe you're wondering yourself what is what's the truth what's the case here so there's a couple of things that I I would really um what I think that like everyone should concede and that is that almost everything can be reconciled um when it when we talk about scripture almost anything and everything can be reconciled what I mean by that is we can take a portion of scripture we can take a verse here a verse there we can take a concept we can make it we can make it uh we can make it say things that it may may not necessarily really say or we can reconcile uh seeming contradictions like for example like not not in this particular instance but like for example um you have people who are torah observant people who are not torah observant so the people who are not torah observant they would definitely use Verses mo, more often than not from Paul, uh, but they would reconcile like, well, God said it's eternal, but Paul said this, but they would find some kind of way to reconcile. So this is what I mean by I I think that everyone can, should actually admit that mm-hmm. almost everything can be reconciled. But the question is, can it be plausibly reconciled? Like... Uh, I can say one thing. And in this, in this instance, Roger can say another thing. So I do not believe that there is such a thing as undeniable evidence. I don't believe there's such a thing as that. I think that anybody can deny anything and everybody, everyone has actually not everyone there people, you take any kind of evidence anywhere. There has been somebody who has denied it doesn't matter what kind of evidence it is, whether it is to do with the scriptures or whatever, Uh, you know, uh, major events in the world today. There's someone who's denied it. Uh, So that's one thing I think that everything everyone should concede as you listen to Roger and I, everyone should concede that that almost everything can be reconciled. I can make things look like a certain way. Roger can make things look a certain way. So uh, that's one thing. Number two is that if there is a contradiction in the scriptures, and, I, and we might come across this as we're talking about this, if there seems to be a contradiction, uh, it could happen for different reasons, um, different uh, lots of different reasons. Like there could be different uh, points of view uh, from different authors of the scripture, uh, different ancient writing practices, uh, all that kind of thing. Um So what I think how I think that everyone should should come to the table myself included again Roger you're up I mean it's up to you but everyone else that's listening I think that everyone should come to the table with an open mind that's how I want to come to this come to it with an open mind not to stick to our guns no matter what in other words it, I don't think we should ever say I am right. And there's nothing that can ever change that. There's nothing that can ever change that view because if we come with that kind of view, that's how we are going to, we're going to be, we're going to be stuck in that. We're not going to be open-minded, right? We're not going to be open-minded. So I think that everybody should come to the table saying, you know, whatever, whatever we've been brought up to believe or whatever we have, um, Whatever we have, uh, whatever conclusion we've come to, could be wrong, mm-hmm. and so uh, what I would say is we should always be be willing to give to give it up if logic, reason, or truth, and truth um, takes us in that in that direction. And I understand if we. If we identify with a certain doctrine too much, it can hurt so much to 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 give that up. That's why I hardly ever identify. Like I I hardly ever say I am a this or I am a that because I don't want to. You know, doctrine is doctrine, and we keep learning. I I do. I believe that. You know, everyone should keep learning, and as we learn, we change. As we learn, we change. If we're not learning, then something's wrong. <laughs> as they always say, you know, uh, as long as you, you you know you you live, you learn. Live and learn. Uh, if you're not learning, you're not living, so to speak. Um, uh, so I think that we should always come to the table with uh, with humility, saying, you know, what I could be wrong, and that's what I want to do in this particular. Um, this particular case right now uh, between me and Roger. Uh, I mean, I'll present some evidence. I'm sure Roger has evidence that he'll present. Um, and I'll tell you right up front, if Roger's evidence is m- more convincing beyond a reasonable doubt than mine, then I will agree with Roger. Now, I think that Roger should take that position, but he ha- hes it's up to him to whether or not um,
1: i have a very open mind
0: (laughs) okay in your in your in your email roger you said that Mm -hmm. you you want to convince me and my viewers of the correctness of your well you said quote i I,
1: I do believe it is 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 correct i mean that's my position but doesn't mean that i don't have an open mind
0: okay okay it just yeah just so you know like that um yeah you said you want to convince you said quote uh you want to convince you and your viewers of the correctness of my view yeah. So, um, okay, it's good to know that you have an open mind. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So, um, having said that, again, one more one more thing, and I'll, I'll give it to you, Roger. Um, again, those who are listening, when it comes to this kind of these kind of um, discussions, I encourage you to reassess. I understand you can be emotionally tied to a certain concept or a certain doctrine, but I encourage everyone within the sound of my voice to reassess. And I understand it can be hard. It can be emotionally traumatic to even admit that you could be wrong. (laughs) Um, I understand that, but it takes humility. It takes courage. And I think that everyone should really come to the table and to say, hey, yeah, there is no such thing as undeniable evidence. I can deny Roger, Roger's evidence, Roger's, Roger can deny my evidence, and everybody else listening, you can deny maybe both of our evidence. I don't know. Uh, you can. I mean, maybe you have something, uh, you know, you have some other evidence. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to actually come on um, and talk with me and Roger. Um, but I think we should be open, and I think that we should uh, we should be courageous enough to say, you know what, I'll listen. And if Roger presents evidence that's beyond a reasonable doubt, now I use, notice I say beyond a reasonable doubt because, again, there isn't, I don't think there's anything that's really 100% certain. Um, you know, I looked it up the other day. Is it, is it certain that 1 plus 1 equals 2? And it's like it's like the first thing that comes up on the on the search results is like you know can it be argued that 1 plus 1 isn't 2 and i looked it up it's like oh there's a whole list of things that you you can say no not not always so not in california <laughs> not in
1: <laughs> so
0: um yeah so we should always come to the table and say there's not 100 there's nothing that's really 100% certain but you can say that something's virtually certain or very like or extremely likely or highly likely um so having said that we should we should be uh asking ourselves what is beyond a reasonable doubt what is beyond a reasonable doubt okay so um let's take this we'll take this basically one step at a time Roger mm-hmm Um, you, if you want to present a point, I'll present, uh, perhaps I'll agree with you. Perhaps I'll say, well, you know what, maybe I don't agree with that. So what would, uh, Roger, give me, uh,
1: give me one point. Um, so, uh, well, give me a little bit of, uh, space to flesh it out a little bit, but, um, 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 there's been a series of things that uh, have been presented in the, pub for the, in the public mind that have undermined the concept of our being in the image of God. I, I think some of those things are like the heliocentric universe, um, a lot of scientific things. But one of the worst things is the theory of evolution. I think the theory of evolution has is, is, uh, made people believe that they um, come from monkeys, and um ultimately from minerals or rocks um that's really how I, th- that whole scheme works um and i think it's utterly false when you look into the evidence for for evolution the the um darwin didn't even understand what the cell was all about to him it was a black box and there's a, actually a book written called darwin's black box and uh by a uh, guy named stephen bay i think his name is and um he talked about how the cellular cellular mechanisms um, they depend on one another and you can't have the system of the cell um, function if only one part had evolved and the other part had not yet evolved and there's just no way this ever could have worked And, and, and furthermore it like let's say a male was evolved you need a male and a female to make the creature so evolution is is uh just an awful awful thing that's that's really turned people into thinking that they're basically wild beasts and um Darwin his father was a minister and he said that the reason why he um he abandoned the church was precisely because and this is a, this is a common story um, but it was precisely because of the concept of hell that 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 was what was presented as what happens in the afterlife and to him it seemed uh, ludicrous and cruel and um, so it caused him to reject all of um, all of Christianity all of of true belief if, if you will um, and it shows how pernicious the actual the the concept of hell because i think most people when they are presented with the concept that um god uh sends people to hell and sustains them forever in um in hell just for the purpose of punishing them um it doesn't i think most people if they if they weren't indoctrinated with that point of view they would um recognize that that seems quite funny i mean odd and um that that was that's basically my opening point oh you're muted okay
0: thank you roger you're welcome yeah so uh to that i would say um i would take it deeper than that. I mean that's assuming that Darwin's point of view is right, which I don't agree with. I don't agree that that you should anybody. I don't agree with any that anybody should look at spiritual, heavenly, godly concepts with an earthly mind. And we see that Darwin did that. And that's really what I understand. I be, as far as I see, maybe Roger you can prove me wrong, but as far as I see right now, That the annihilationist point of view is based upon the human, natural human concept of what does it that doesn't sound just that doesn't sound fair, Um, so it's coming at it from a very earthly, limited, carnal like, uh, carnal man's point of view. I would take that deeper, and I would say, well, Darwin, you should not. Project your moral standards on God, and that's what I would say to that. Like, uh, so he said, "Oh, because of how he grew up in a uh, religious home." And it doesn't surprise me. I mean, if he grew up in a Christian home, it doesn't surprise me because a lot of you know, we got it's almost like PKs, right, preachers' kids.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and he was a preacher's kid according to what you said, um, which doesn't surprise me. So. um or at least a, you know a, a child out of a Christian home. Um, so Darwin, if you know, can, assuming that that is true, he, out of pride and arrogance, projected his own moral standards and his own limited view on God. Oh God, that can't be right. You've got to conform to what I think is is just and true. And I and again, I think that Ania, the annihilation, annihilationist, excuse me, point of view is based upon, I mean, it's if it wasn't for people saying, I don't think that's fair. Like basically almost being like Job, like, I don't think you're fair uh, God in doing what you're doing to me. Hmm. Almost being like Job, but it's basically out of a, out of a, uh, a, a, it's from a foundation of pride and Job had to repent of his pride and Um, you know, I believe it was in uh, Job chapter 42, repented his pride, and then he was healed and restored and everything like that. Um, that's, that's where I come from.
1: Mm -hmm. I I don't think that, that I, I, I think that God gave us reason. God gave us intelligence and, and we can look at these things and, and, um, to, to some extent, Judge, I know God's ways are not our ways. I, I recognize this, but I, I really think that the concept of, of eternal torment is really so um uh far from uh right that we can see this. Um for for one thing, um, any anybody who sins within their lifetime, even if they sinned in their entire lifetime, let's say they lived 120 years, they they sin that entire time how would that be fair to punish someone eternally for for that uh, that thing that's done in a very limited amount of time it, that doesn't make sense um, uh, I forget the other point I was going to make but um, but but basically so, something that's uh, done in a very limited amount of time to punish them uh, 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 eternally doesn't make sense and 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 the the concept that, God needs to would need to sustain that sinner, and God would have God has the option of either snuffing that person out or, um, or uh, sustaining them. And why would he sustain them? What purpose would that serve? And I, I guess that would be the question that I would put to you is what purpose would it serve to have people suffer? eternal, eternal torment. And, and and I have a lot of references to the Bible. We're mainly talking kind of an ethereal way right now. But um, but, you know, that would be my question to you.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Roger. Um, before I go too far, I want to shut down TikTok here because I'm not really paying attention to TikTok as much. So those of you who are on TikTok, go on over to my YouTube channel. Um, uh, Christopher Enoch on YouTube. I'm going to shut down TikTok and focus 100 percent on YouTube here. I am talking with a special guest, uh, Roger, um, about annihilation, annih- if I can say so it being an annihilationist or an- annihilation. annihilationism. Um, and so if you want to watch that, go on over to YouTube and I'll see you over there. Thank you and blessings. Okay, so... Yeah, I understand, Roger. We, we're just basically scratching the surface right now. Yes. And I, I know you got a lot more to t- to say <laughs> and a lot more. Uh, so, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, it's awesome. I like the way we're doing this here. It's just uh, one point at a time. Um, so the question is, how do you, like, what does it take to sustain a spirit? It's not like God has to feed that spirit. It's not like uh-huh. God has to, you know, as a spirit is kind of, in existence, in and of itself, it's not really something that God has to, you know, support in that sense. Um, now, and this is this is the thing as well. So, one sin is worthy of an eternal. And the thing is too. Um, What, what we need to realize is it's God doesn't look at it like when we say punishment, OK, um, it's almost like you're talking like a parent punishing the child. And I don't think that's the way it is. You know, I mean, I understand punishment. You, you can look at it in a different you can look at it from different ways, but. When you say punishment, a lot of times people conjure up an image of, let's say, a, a parent punishing a child or, let's say, the government punishing one of its citizens. But that it, I do not believe that's the way that God looks at it, um, you know, um, because not everyone is his child. Actually, his children are very, very few and far between. I think that that's quite, um, quite clear in the scriptures as well. Um, I mean, Yeshua called a whole group of people in John chapter 8, children of the devil. As we're going through the scriptures, I'm not sure how many um, lives you are uh, watching, uh, uh, Roger, but uh, you know, we see so many times where it talks about the sons of Belial, the sons of Belial, the sons of the devil. We come across that many, many times so far, even from Genesis to uh, 2 Samuel, where we are now. So there are a lot of sons or children of the devil. There are a lot of, uh, so that not everyone's a child. <clears throat> so it's not like they're punished like a child. So it's not like, well, you, you, you did this, therefore you deserve this amount of punishment. So I think that that concept should be put aside. Um, it's more like God's word, God's commands are infinitely holy infinitely powerful and so the more the more serious a law is the more serious the punishment or again, here, I'm using that I'm using that same yeah. word punishment but the more serious and again let's let's just use it that way the more serious the punishment for violating that law so if we have a law that is not so serious we get not so serious punishment hmm. if we have a but you know i i see that the word of god the laws of god are infinitely serious infinitely holy infinitely powerful therefore violating those laws would just put you in the category of being you know the infinitely uh The opposite of being infinitely at peace or infinitely holy. Roger, you want to speak to that before
1: we go through? Sure, sure. I actually have a lot of points on that. Um, So I believe God is love and God is merciful. Um, And I I do actually think that um, punishment um, in the the Bible is... um, Very much uh, along the lines of how we punish, uh, why we punish a child. Um, The Jews were punished; they were taken into exile. They were they were spread out all over the place, and all kinds of bad things happened to them when they didn't obey the Torah. It was punishment to get them to do the right thing. It wasn't just punishment for no reason. Um, It would be uh, so like if you punish your children, and um, you, you you punish them not for no good reason. If you're loving, if you're kind, if you're good, you punish your children to get them to do what's right, because ultimately that's what's better for them. If God is just punishing us just for punishment, I think that that's inconsistent with the Bible. First of all, the way he punishes in the Bible, Um, but uh, it just would be cruel, in my opinion. Um, So it would be like um, punishing your child if they were dead. Um, That wouldn't make any sense. Uh, to me, you punish your child so they get better. That, that's my, that's okay.
0: My. Yeah. So, um, I just a couple of things here. Um, so in the scriptures, we have two different things it's talking about. It's talking about, um, it says those who obey the commandments shall live, right? Now that word live. By everybody that I know, I'm I'm sure there are people, uh, people that look at it from a different way. Um, But typically speaking, uh, that word "live" is is talking about like eternal life, right? The the just shall live by faith. They they will they will uh, inherit eternal life, Uh, and those who those who disobey, it's death, right? So that's Mm -hmm. eternal death, right? Um, And so there's a huge difference between death and non-existence. Just as as the way is, I mean, life doesn't mean life as in just living. It means actual real life because there's a lot of people that live today, but they're not really living. Um, Now, we can can hash out a lot of different scriptures and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, almost anything can be reconciled. Um, I can say the Bible says this, you can say the Bible says that, we can be splitting hairs, we can be um, going on semantics. One of the greatest, if not the greatest piece of evidence um, uh, that supports the idea of eternal punishment are the witnesses. You know, as it says in the Torah, um, let everything be established by two or three witnesses. Well, it's, it's very easy, very, very easy to find two or 300 witnesses of people who have clinically died and come back to talk about what it's like on the other side. So there are many, many people. Um, for those who are listening to this, if you want to know what kind of um sources of information i would i would recommend i mean there's many it's easy to just go on youtube and say i have died and went to hell you'll get lots of people lots of people say that but other than that i mean there are documentaries such as there's a video called the lazarus phenomenon um there's a video called death and beyond there's a video called to hell and back um there are many books um and i understand that people can say well you know these people just had hallucinations um although i would concede that you'll always get people that are as my mother would call them flakes <laughs> you're always going to have you're always going to have the true people and the not so true people you're going to have the people that are uh, that are telling the truth and you're going to have people that think that they you know that they're they're delusional you're going to have the good cop bad cop you're gonna have good doctor bad doctor so sure you can point to a few people and say yeah you know these experiences that they had it's an, it's an hallucination however you look deep into it you will see evidence that again I, I, to me it, it's like This is the evidence I think is like beyond a reasonable doubt where you got people who have flatlined. um, They're in the hospital. Even some of them, the doctor pronounced them dead. They have went places and saw things they have experienced. Um, You know, for example, there's this one lady who died and uh, she said that uh, she came out of her body. She went down the hall. uh, She went into the waiting room in another part of the hospital and she a witnessed, she tried to talk to people that were there, her family members, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't listen to her, of course, because they can't see or hear. Um, but she witnessed conversations that upset her, especially her brother-in-law saying that she, that oh no I get now oh man she died <laughs> right like now I got to be a pallbearer so I got to cancel that business trip. So yeah. then, when she was resuscitated, and all these family members came into the room to talk to her about it, she would say. Uh, when when her fa- when her brother-in-law came in, she said, "Next time I die, go on your business trip. I don't want you to be my pallbearer." She- he was absolutely completely shocked. What? How did you know that? Like completely embarrassed and shocked. There's a, there's another person who died, uh, and they said that they came out of their body, went to the roof of the the hospital, and there was a shoe. And they and when again when this person was um, resuscitated, they said to the to the nurses and to the hospital staff and doctor that was there there's a shoe up on this corner of the hospital Uh, I I, you know I was just up there I seen this shoe and they're like no you know you're hallucinating but one particular um, member of the staff thought you know what maybe I should just go up there and take a look and of course it was right there exactly in the same place where this woman said another woman who passed away uh, who, who clinically died I should say And uh, they called her family in, her her children, her little children was, were being watched by a, um, a babysitter. Um, and, uh, she said that when she passed away, when she died, she came out of her body. She went to her, you know, she, she went out of, out of the hospital room and she witnessed her children wearing mismatched clothes. And she was upset when she, when she came back to her body, she's like, Hey, um, why? why were my children dressed like this? And they're like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I, just, I was just there, I know. And, it's, you know, many, 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 uh, there's so many uh, testimonies I've, I've, I've heard, read, saw um, uh, people that, uh, and people that study this, such as Dr. Raymond Moody, as amongst many other ones, they've studied this, and they say that these kind of testimonies, Bring an immense amount of credibility to their to their um, to their experience. Mm-hmm. It's like it's 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 impossible for them to hallucinate something that's real because hallucination, by definition, is something that's not real. Yeah. Um, and so, these kind of people that have that have had these kind of experiences, and people that have went to a place that they would call heaven. Um, and people that have went to a place that they would call hell. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really leads, it really gives a lot of credibility to their witness. Um, and I've heard so many people, and again, it's some. sometimes it's hard to find people who say that they died and went to hell because nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's like, it, like how um, Dr. Um, Maurice Rawlings. Yeah. Um, who was an atheist? Uh, he said that um, um, it's hard to find a hell testimony because uh, nobody wants to talk about it. But he, in his, according to him, and this is him, he says he believes that more people have hell experiences after death than heaven experiences. Um, and so, everybody that said that they went to hell, again, everybody that said that they went to a place of hell, nobody has ever said, Well, they, you know, I, I went to hell and I saw old uncle Jack there and he says, he's only got a couple more hours before he's annihilated or, or, you know, he's only got, you know, another month to go in hell and then he's, and then he's let out or whatever the case is. I know that's not what you believe, Roger, but there are are some people that believe that. Mm. Um, but in, in my, from my perspective to say that, um, someone to say that this is absolutely not real is ignoring some really good evidence and really yeah, calling. And I'm not it.
1: saying that at all. I'm not, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. This. I'm not uh, uh, disbelieving in, in near-death experiences. In fact, um, I went to the University of Connecticut. I took a um, a course with uh, Kenneth Ring. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he's Never one of the him. foremost researchers into near-death experiences. So I am I, I, very familiar with that. In fact, both of my parents, who are 94 and 92, have gone to the other side and come back. So um, I, it's not that I uh, would uh, say that that's untrue or anything. But uh, of course, there is Sheol. And um, Sheol is an intermediary place, uh, as is Hades. Um, it's the same thing it's sheol is basically hades after death people go to sheol or hades and then there is the resurrection and judgment day it's at judgment day that they that the uh ones who are granted eternal life are going to go into broad places and those people who and and the the wicked are going to see them go into those broad places i think it's second esdras that that says that um and, those, uh, and the wicked at that point would be annihilated. Uh, and and uh, I don't know. There may be a situation where you go to Sheol and even if you're a bad person, maybe there still is a chance for you to be re- redeemed. So that would be the the point of the punishment there. Or it may be if you're going to the bad side of Sheol um, and uh, Jesus talks about, you know, the two sides of Sheol in Luke um. Twenty uh, Luke, uh, uh, I forget. It's in Luke. I got it here somewhere. Luke chapter sixteen. Sixteen. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but you may you you may still get a, t- a chance at salvation after that punishment. Maybe that is a purgation. Maybe that's a purgatory, and um, and you you do still um, perhaps get a, a chance at salvation. I don't know. Because it doesn't make any sense that they would be punished there either, or it may be that you're just in with a bunch of nasty people, and they're the ones who are torturing you. Um, I I don't know, um, but I do believe that 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 that's what happens: is you die, in it, your body dies, you go to Sheol, and then there is the resurrection, and that's when final judgment is, and that's when things are finally determined. But all these things about uh, near-death experiences are 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 good, and they're they're Evidence, truth is truth, and, and, and I think that's true. Uh, I mean, I think that's important to, to keep in mind. But you should always go back to the Bible. And and the evidence in the Bible is, I, in my opinion, almost every page talks about destruction. Almost every page in the Bible ha, uh, makes the point that um, the main dichotomy that the Bible is setting forth is between life and death or you could say being and non-being it, so so that is just that's the dichotomy it's it's good it's evil it, they're all connected and um so it makes sense it, it makes you know, just perfect sense and i believe that uh i disagree with you that life is doesn't really mean life it means sort of living well or something um i i, th- I think there is better living and there is not living. But I think when the Bible talks about life, it's talking about life. I I think when we start changing, you know, we we start interpreting that's eisegesis. That's adding our own interpretation into what it's saying. I think the Bible clearly talks about um, life and death. And um, another point in regard to what you're saying is, yes, I do believe that there's eternal punishment. It's eternal. Um, So uh, when you, when you're, Annihilated. That's not for a day. That's forever. That's what it's talking about when it's saying it's eternal punishment. Similarly, um, eternal fire. Right. We talk about hell being eternal fire. Well, Sodom and Gomorrah were hit with eternal fire. Right. They're not still burning. Right. It doesn't just go on and on and on. It's eternal because it comes from the eternal from eternity. It comes from, the, from where God lives. Um, but I, I do believe that that it's just overwhelming uh, evidence that the destruction is what occurs to the wicked. Um, there are a few outlying points. Uh, uh, Christina in the chat has mentioned uh, uh, Revelation 20. And um, so I do have something on Revelation 20 here.
0: Okay, let me, let um, me speak to what you were talking point, about there.
1: Um, sure, sure, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, so... Um so let's talk about the first thing you talked about uh cuz you mentioned several different things here. Mm-hmm. So um you believe that when a person dies they go to Sheol. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now in 2nd Ezra chapter 7, I mean I think that that I was just actually going to read that. Uh, if if you didn't come on, I was actually going to right. read that. But uh, I think it's I think it's pretty. I think that's a really good uh, way of looking at it. And from from what I see in in, in Second Ezra chapter seven is when you when a person dies, their spirit goes goes to a place that is either can be called like paradise or heaven, or to a place that could be called hell. Uh, and they're kept there until the day of judgment, and then the, after the day of judgment, it's almost like if, if a person if a, if a person dies and goes to so, so let's say hell, as per Second Ezra chapter seven, it's almost like someone today who's get who gets arrested and goes to jail before the trial, and then after the trial they go to prison, right? So it's like they go into a place of and they go to a horrible place. Mm-hmm. And they stay in that place is temporary until the, the final judgment. And then after that, they go to this what what you might call prison um, after that. Um so when it comes to death and non-existence, this is this is this is where you know, like for example, Paul said, um let me see here. Let me just pull it up so I don't misquote it. I don't want anybody. Uh, I don't want anybody accusing me of misquoting a passage here. Okay, so um, Ephesians chapter one, chapter two, excuse me, verse one. Uh, Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, he said, "And he, and you, he made alive who were dead." entrance trespasses and sins in in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who is who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also uh, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he has which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. So the, 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 the word dead here doesn't mean they didn't exist. They existed. However, they existed in a horrible place of spiritual death, or like a like how people are before they, in the evangelical world, you could say, before they're saved, right? And I can say that myself as well. I know many, many people that have you know, in you too, right? But many yeah. people who have uh, said, you know, you know, before, before I really came to uh, the Lord, or however you want to put it, before I got born mm-hmm. again, I didn't know how miserable I was. I didn't know how, you know, how empty I was. I didn't mm-hmm. know how dark I was. I didn't know how much darkness there was. But then, when you got born again, it's like, okay, now I know. So now it's like you're not just existing in death; you are existing in life. So this life and death is not talking about existence versus non-existence. It's talking about the the quality of your spirit. What you know? What is your spirit? what What's the what's the state of your spirit? Are you dead in trust? So let's say in Ephesians chapter two here, these people that Paul that Paul was talking to, he he says this twice. You were dead in trust. You you actually. Even as Yeshua said as well in Revelation, you think you're alive, but you're dead. Um, you think you're alive because you got all vital signs, you're breathing, your heart's beating, you're walking around, but you're not alive. You're dead. You are you are existing in a in a in a case in a, in a state, excuse me, of death. So when your physical body dies, you don't have any more quote unquote biological life, earthly life. You are then locked into this condition of death you still exist but you lock you're locked in this condition of death so you would go into that part of as you might say you call it sheol or as second ezra you go to that particular compartment or part of uh, the holding until the uh, judgment day in the condition of death you Mm -hmm. are dead in your trespasses and sins Mm -hmm. you're still alive i mean not still alive you are still existence. You, mm-hmm. you still exist. You still mm-hmm. you're still aware of everything. You can feel. You can you can see. You can hear everything, and you know in actually even more so um, in the spirit. I've heard, so many people I've heard that say they they have uh, clinically died, and when they came out of their body, their senses of feeling, their their emotions are just so much more, um, so much more magnified, and it's just so much more real. Um, and so it would it would be too. It, in, in the case of these people who were dead, if they remained in that state of death, if their physical body if they stopped you know if they clinically died biologically, their spirit in that state of death would go into the place where God de- designates for those spirits who, who are not, good with, with God who, who are dead still in trespasses mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. thus they will live that life or not live. They will exist in that state of torment. And so a spirit, and this is the, this is a thing. It's hard. I know it's hard for a lot of people to differentiate between the physical and the spiritual, so the physical can be, quote-unquote, alive, and the spirit still be dead, as it says here in Ephesians. The physical can be, quote-unquote, dead, but the spirit can still be alive, as uh, Yeshua mentioned uh, in regards to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even though they were dead, uh, they were still alive because their spirit their spirit was in the state of life. Um, and, you know... Again, I, I can't help but keep on going back to the, the, the whole thing of of witnesses. Yes, uh, we have to look at the Bible. Yes, absolutely. I'm just saying that without the witnesses, the Bible can be twisted. The Bible can be made to say things that it doesn't say. But with the witnesses, it's like this. you got someone who, who writes about... Um, you can have someone who writes. You know, I don't know how many people who are listening have ever been to uh, Niagara Falls, especially Niagara Falls, Canada. There's a lot of ha- uh, haunted houses there. Okay, and so you can read about it. You can you can get the brochure about what it's like going through this so-called haunted house, um, and you can make it say whatever you want to say on in on paper. But to really know what it's like, you ask people that are coming out hey, what was it like going through there? What happened when you went through there? They will tell you more. They will help clear up the the questions. And that's how I look at it, especially when it comes to life after death, heaven versus hell, when it comes to what the Bible says. Now we know in the Tanakh, it doesn't say a whole lot about heaven or hell in the Tanakh other than just life and death. Um, And I believe that's for a reason. God is more... God is more concerned about people obeying him as opposed to being focused on heaven or hell because once you obey him, you're gonna you're gonna be in a good spot anyway. Um, in regards to Sodom and Gomorrah, um, so I, I believe um, I, I believe there's there's a, an immense amount of evidence uh, that Sodom and Gomorrah was consumed by a volcanic eruption. We still have Mount Sodom uh, still there. It's just like Mount Vesuvius uh, with Pompeii. Very, very similar. Uh, the uh, lifestyle of those who lived in Pompeii is very, very similar to what we read about in the Bible about Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, they In Pompeii, they were consumed by the fire too when Mount Vesuvius erupted and consumed everybody in Fire and brimstone, right? Um, and it's the same way it happened with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. So if Sodom and Gomorrah was, was consumed by the eternal fire, um, that just says to me that the eternal fire would be the fire that's in the center of the earth, which, again, would lead more into the traditional uh, uh Opinion or the the traditional view of hell being in the center of the earth Uh, However, again, Sodom and Gomorrah was consumed by eternal fire So the earthly realm was consumed by the eternal fire That's not to say anything about the spirits of those who were consumed the spirits again, I, I I see it as the spirit of a man can be It can feel pain. It can feel emotion actually a heightened sense of a heightened sense of pain or emotion even more so than what we feel and experience in our physical bodies so many people say when they when they have had You know, if you want to call it out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences, so many people say, "Oh, you know, when I come back to my body, it's like it's I'm coming back to a dullness. It's like I I don't I don't feel the emotion that I felt in in the afterlife. I don't feel the 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 pleasure or the pain, depending on who you talk about or who you talk to. Uh, It's 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 dull. So a spirit cannot be consumed, cannot be annihilated by Let's say if the fire that's in the center of the earth, let's just say just out of just out of just for argument's sake, let's just say if the fire in the center of the earth is the eternal fire of hell. Okay, just let's just say that a spirit cannot be burned, cannot be consumed, annihilated by that because it's spirit. Can it feel the fire? I believe it can. Can it feel the pain? Sure, it can. Can it be burned as we burn a a stick? No, because it's not physical. So it exists in that death, in that state of dead in trespasses, without a physical body, experiencing that eternal fire and um, and like pain. Um, now again. I do believe there are different parts of what you what we call hell. I think there's the fire part. I think there's the darkness part as well. Some people say that they go to hell and it says nothing but darkness. However, it's just, it's just an, an incredibly tormenting experience. Other people say that they've actually went to a place of fire. Uh, as we read in Luke chapter 16, um, you know, talking about the rich man Lazarus. Now, I think that is pretty clear that the rich man cannot... Get out of there. There's absolutely no way. There's no hope. Uh, It's very clear in Luke chapter 16. Very, very clear. No hope. Uh, Once he dies, that's it. I I see that's how it is, you know, in the scriptures as well. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then after that, the judgment. Ezekiel chapter 18, if you die in a state of life, you will go to that place of life. You will exist in life. If you die in a state of death, dead in trespasses and sins, you will be escorted to that place of death and exist and experience that death. See, the only thing that the only difference between people now you're you're talking to somebody. I don't know about you, Roger, but I have been to over a thousand doors, talking to people about hell and in heaven. Most people I'm shocked. I was shocked. This was, this was in 1993. Most people told me, yeah, I believe in hell. It's right here on earth. I'm thinking, wow. Like, so, so it's like they, and you know what in their own mind they're they might be right. It, like, I mean, in, not fully right, but I mean, they, they might be right that a lot of people are experiencing hell on earth. That's because they are existing in this death because of their trespasses and sins. They're not living by, they're not, they're not the people who are just and live by faith. They are unjust. They live in a a state of um, transgressing God's law. And so they exist in death, even though their heart is beating, even though they're here on earth, their hell is on earth. Now they don't realize that that the only quote unquote heaven that they have, they don't think that it's heaven; they think it's hell here. But <laughs> I, I believe that they're going to get a rude awakening. Uh, oh, but the only quote unquote heaven they have is the material world, is the biological world. You know, they they you know money, sex. Um, Drugs, whatever the case is, pleasure, earthly pleasures—that's the only thing they have, albeit so as empty as it is. And that's why they 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 think it's hell. Uh, and but that's the only pleasure they have. So when they do, when their body, when they, when their heart stops beating, when they stop breathing, when they enter into a state of clinically clinical death, biological death, they lose all of that earthly pleasure. So they're not, they don't have money anymore. They don't have sex anymore. They don't have drugs anymore. They don't have their friends anymore. They don't have the pleasures of this world anymore. Therefore, they enter into a worse state of existing in death. There's Now their spirit, which was dead in trespasses and sins, now their spirit doesn't even have any worldly pleasures at all. So even that is taken away from them. So, I mean, uh, again, um, I, I to 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 say to say that, and this is a thing too, uh, Roger. Mm-hmm. If non-existence is the punishment they get, basically for their sins. Then, I mean, all of us have not existed. 100 years ago, none of us have existed. Mm -hmm. We have lived, or not lived, we have not existed. So we've not existed. So we've already experienced that punishment before we were born or before we were conceived. And then we will, then that's all, that's exactly what we get for for Mm -hmm. transgressing the most holy, most holy. Powerful, most serious law of of God, it, that doesn't make sense. And to me as well, again, you've got people, lots of people. Take it from me. I have speak. I've spoken to these people face to face. When like hell is here, hell is here <laughs> on Earth, right? And it's like so. If if that's all they get is just being annihilated. Now they just don't exist anymore. If that's all they get for breaking the most holy law, (laughs) if that's all they get for that. Um, So there's a big problem with that because you've got many, many people, perhaps millions, perhaps even billions. Actually, I know at least millions. Consider thousands, or not thousands, over a thousand i think it was about 1200 1300 that i've uh, interviewed face to face at their door about this kind of thing um, so you got i would expect millions uh, hundreds of millions anyway people who believe this is hell and to them it is they 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 suffer they're not help, they're not happy we have so many celebrities that are taking their lives or just wasting their lives on drugs and all kinds of nonsense so <laughs> That is not, if you want to look at it from an earthly mind again, from the carnal mind and say, well, that's not just that somebody should be, uh, you know, be, uh, be punished forever. Well, it's not just that somebody can live like the rich man, faring sumptuously every day and then just dying and just being annihilated and that's it. They have lived, they have existed their entire life in pleasure. And then you look at somebody who, let's say, they live in some country uh, less – even here in North America, you've got a lot of people who believe this is hell, let alone people who are in uh, worse-off countries, poor countries. Um, you got people who are a lot better people in the sense that they, they're not so morally bankrupt, and, and yet they live a life of like, – like, the, like, the, like Lazarus a life of begging, a life of hell. So you've got Lazarus or people like Lazarus who has lived hell on earth and then you've got a rich, the rich man who's lived heaven on earth and, get, and he gets better. What? It doesn't make sense. A just, a just God would not just snuff him out and say, Oh yeah, you've lived all of your. You lived, uh, you know, ninety-five years here on earth, and I know you've been a horrible sinner. And you, mm-hmm. you have just, uh, you know, fared sumptuously every day. You have partaken of. <laughs> you, you have lived in pleasure. Oh yeah, and you have, you have spit in my face. You have spit in my holy law. You, you have, uh, you have transgressed my law. Therefore, I'm just going to snuff you. I'm just going to make you so you don't exist. I'm going to put you in the same state as you were before you were conceived. That's all you get. That is not just either, if you want to look at it from a carnal point of view. Roger, go ahead.
1: Okay. There's a million things you addressed there. Um, So I I, I don't agree that it's a carnal mind that, that you're looking at it from. I think it's a reasonable mind that God gave us. And I think he gives us the the ability to ferret things out. He it, the, It's the honor of kings to, to discover a matter. Um, so I, I just, I don't see it that way. And I know that's the way it's presented by a lot of preachers, but I, I don't, I just don't agree with that. Um, so uh, you were saying, you know, these people have lived in luxury and everything all their lives. Well, not necessarily. If you have one violation of the Sabbath, you're going to hell if you haven't repented. You're going to hell, you're going to eternal torment forever. I'm sorry, but I think a reasonable mind that God gave us, intelligent mind, says that doesn't make any sense. Um, so um, I, I also I just want to, I've been reading a lot of the comments. Um, Jamie Russell seems to have everything exactly right. <laughs> so I, I really uh, I really like that. Um I wanted to say that Christina, I've listened to Christina. I mean, I've seen her make a lot of comments. She is really, really, really smart. I, I, obviously, I disagree with her on this. Um, but she was saying there's no punishment for um, for somebody who, um, you know, is just annihilated. I, I think capital punishment is really a serious punishment, and that's the prescription, in um, the Torah for a lot of um, the uh, violations of the law. It's capital punishment. If capital punishment is not seen as a punishment, I don't understand that. That is punishment. It's serious, serious punishment. And I think it's much more um, persuasive to people to get their life in order. You're going to die if you don't get your life in order. You're going to die forever. I recently saw a video of Howard Stern and Steven Tyler talking about how they've had so much fun going to hell and when they get to hell they're going to they're going to party there and so many people uh, say that i mean you look at you know all the the people with like hell tattoos and and you know devil tattoos and everything they're like this is cool i'm going to party in in hell And that's the way they think of it. Whereas if you tell them, no, it's it, you're you're going to be snuffed out. Now, maybe they'll still continue in their sins and some people will, but that's okay. I mean, the, the whole system is designed to create some really, really precious people to go to the father. Those precious people are going to be in this crucible where there's good and there's evil and all this stuff going on to refine us to be the precious beings that are uh, worthy of God. And that's what God is trying to create. He's not trying to create some other system and he's merciful. And he, like I say, he still has that, that, um, that uh, the ability to make the decision of whether he's going to sustain those. I, I disagree that, that, that God sustaining us is nothing. I think that he, he, uh, is his breath of life was put into us, and he is always constantly sustaining us. I mean, I think that's pretty traditional theology. Um, so um, the idea of um, the 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 idea of people being dead in their sins, um, there is uh, you know, there's an oddity in in Hebrew, and I, I've been studying uh, the Hebrew uh, a fair amount, and I'm not saying I'm any expert on it, but I'm going through Genesis word by word, and I've gone. Th- I've translated the, uh, retranslator for myself, the, um, the book of Genesis. And there's some real oddities. One thing is the repetitive uh, words, and they'll, it'll put either two, uh, or usually two forms of the same word right next to each other. And right from uh, Genesis, um, when uh, God says to Adam, uh, if, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to he's it's usually translated something like you're going to be doomed to die and it's it's die die is really is how it's presented in the in the actual text in a lot of places it's die die um which sounds to me like a first death second death die die that's what he's saying you're you're going to be doomed to die or you're going to die the second death, and that's where you are. You're in that place of where you're going to die to to the second death if you're not regenerated, if you're not um, born again, born from above. Um, uh, So let's see. Um, So um, one thing Christina mentioned in the comments is about Revelation 20, and I did want to get into this a little bit. I want to present more of my evidence because I really haven't done that uh, much yet. Um, It says in Revelation uh, 20, 10, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This to me is in the entire Bible. There's so many uh, instances where it's talking about destruction, destruction, death, death, destruction. This is the best evidence for hell. But if you think about that statement, all right, um, first of all, it's from Revelation, which is the, the most confusing, and most symbolic, most confusing book in the Bible. Um, and and dr- uh, driving doctrine from Revelation is really, really difficult. Um, but uh, if you notice, it's only the devil, the beast and the false prophet, all of whom are probably spiritual beings who, who probably are not mortals like we are. But they are are eternal. So they may, it may be that they are tormented forever and ever. Um, Although the, that whole thing is thrown into the lake of fire. And what is the lake of fire? God is a consuming fire. God is the fire that burns forever. Christina alluded to the, to the, uh to the um uh, fire that burns forever. Yes. God will burn forever. Even, if, even if the, you know, there's nothing to burn. If even if he's made all his creation, perfect, um, he he will burn forever um so uh but but it it never says in that passage that um people are going to be tormented day and night or uh, night, uh, what is it uh day and night forever and ever it doesn't say that so if we're draw, if we're deriving doctrine from the most confusing symbolic uh book in the bible and uh we're saying that well people are are going to go to hell from that i think that's really that's not logical. That's not reasonable. It has nothing to do with the carnal mind. That, that's just not logical. That's not reasonable. Um, another important point I've talked about, um, being and non-being, uh, being life and death. Well, you have to think of it this way, that, um, that God is omnipresent. So we look around us and we see everything as, you know, we see stones and we see wood and we we see these things that don't appear to be alive. But God is everywhere. He's in every single thing. So his life is in everything. Um, so um, so his life is in in everything. There's uh, his being is in everything. Um so we see it we see it sort of falsely. I, I, I would I would argue, but there's a whole uh, theology that would need to be gone into in terms of, of, of that. But I, w- I will say this that if the, that the Septuagint is a much older translation of the Bible, then um, the uh, it's much older than the Masoretic text. The Masoretic text is from like 800 AD. The uh, Septuagint goes back, uh, I think it's like three or four hundred uh, BC, um, and when you when you um, look at the uh, portion of of Exodus when Moses uh, is uh, talking with the burning bush, and he says, "Who shall I tell them sent me?" And we're used to the rendering from the Masoretic, "Tell them I am that I am," right? In the Septuagint it says something different it says tell them I am the being the being the one and only being and that's that's what God is so that this whole dichotomy between God and what is not which is evil your true evil final evil death I mean even we think about death what is death to a person? I mean, if we didn't know about, uh, you know, if we only had our, our carnal mind, if we only had our carnal mind, we would see death as it's just it, you become nothing. And that is the, and God's talking to us in such a way that we will understand it. I don't think he's talking to us in a way that we wouldn't understand. If, if God, um, if God really is eternal, is, is damning people eternally. Uh, to a place of eternal torment. You think he would have mentioned that in the Bible somewhere? Because he doesn't really mention that. In fact, when uh, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, um, God warns Adam, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die, die. It's one death, two deaths. You will die, die. Um, he He doesn't tell them, you're going to be sent to eternal hell where I'm going to poke you with a hot poker for the rest of your life. Or I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I mean, if you look at Dante's Inferno and stuff, you see some of the tortures in there, which I think is, as it's been, that's been a big uh, framer of, of our thinking in terms of the modern Christian thinking of, of hell. Um, but he doesn't warn Adam that he's going to be sent to eternal punishment I believe in a fair God, in a true God, in a loving God, who doesn't lie to us, gives us fair warning. You know, um, it just would be totally wrong for him not to give us fair warning. It It wouldn't even make sense. Why would he not warn us about this thing? This should be like in every page of the Bible. But what is in every page of the Bible, virtually, it's destruction. and the metaphors are are are, are in the bible are, are are um there's lots of them um you talk about it, jesus talks about them being chaff what have what happens to the chaff it burns up in the fire in the consuming fire that is god um he, he also talks about chaff being blown away on the wind they're they're uh destroyed which means like taken apart dissolved um it, it, it also melted is another um is another uh, metaphor that's used in the Bible uh, as well for what happens to sinners. That's because fire melts. God is the consuming fire. When you approach God, he is so holy that you cannot exist in his presence. And if people are retained in hell, then his creation is never made pure because hell would be part of his creation. Um, so he, so he will have never, never purged his creation of all evil. And I think that that, if you read the book of Revelation, I think that that's, uh, the, the idea is in the beginning, there is this paradise, this Eden, and we go through this fall in this fall into, I, I got to make, get my hand out here, see if I can, this fall into uh, you know, a descent into a, into a valley Right. And then we come back up and it's it's renewed again. The creation is renewed again into all goodness. He creates everything. And what does he say? Does he say, oh, well, that was kind of good? No, he says, it's really good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's tobe. it's tobe. Right. Moses said, um, I, I, I don't have the exact quote, um, but I said before you life and prosperity, death and and evil. Right. Um, and uh, so that's the dichotomy that that set up from Moses. Jesus talks about that same thing. You know, um, he, he's, he, he's he's talking. About, he didn't say, I'm going to give eternal life to the good people, to the to the people who are faithful. And I'm going to give eternal life to the people um, that are going to go to hell, too, because that's a form of life. You, if, if, if that existence in hell you got to admit that's a form of life, but he doesn't give eternal life to sinners. He he does not give eternal life to sinners. What is not life? It's death. It's destruction. This is this is kind of it's really kind of common sense thinking. But I understand how we've been all brainwashed. I believe that for for so many years that we were going to go to hell and it was going to be an eternal hell. But it, it just doesn't make any sense. It, it really doesn't. Um, another point that I wanted to make, which a lot of people probably don't understand is they read in their Bible and they say, well, I read in my Bible about hell, except hell. It it translates at least four different words. It's Sheol, it's Hades, it's Tartarus, it's Gay Hinnom, which I think is kind of funny, Gay Hinnom, but (laughs) right. Um, there's probably a double, there's meaning there because God keeps these puns a lot of times. He brings them right through to our, our current languages. So I'm, I'm just saying, but um, but he sets up this dichotomy between Tobe and, um, wait, what are the words? Tobe and, uh, where is it? Uh, oh, Hiem. Tob and Chaim. Chaim is life. Tob is good. And on the other hand, there's um, Mut, um, which is death, and um, um, Ra, which is evil, which is, uh, just on a side note, I think is really interesting because, uh, of course, the, the main Egyptian God was Ra. And, and that's what God says is the word for evil. Um, and uh, another thing is with that is uh, Ra'a is to see and um and what did eve do with the, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil she saw that it was good to uh for for bringing wisdom and and delightful uh, delightful for the eyes and then she went and, and ate from it so so there's that that evil aspect to it but but the idea of of good going along with life is that good things lead to life when you do good things and God tells you this over and over again. You do what I say, do my commandments, and good things are going to happen to you because good leads to life. In contrast, bad or evil, raw, leads to destruction or dissolution or corruption, which is really rotting. That's that's what it really what it means. It's to dissolution. And so this is what the Bible says. I understand there's other evidences outside the Bible, I per, I think the surest word is the Bible.
0: Okay, <laughs> Roger. Uh, just to, um, you said uh, that you began saying that there's you don't believe that people can re- like live in luxury. Uh, in in Luke chapter sixteen, if you read it, no, uh, no, no, that,
1: that's not what I. No, I wasn't saying they, they couldn't live in luxury. Some do, but I'm saying. Yeah. That in some cases, one lot, one one violation, would mean eternal torment by the traditional view.
0: So, so if let's say in Luke chapter sixteen we have a rich man who mm-hmm. lived in luxury every day. He died. Let me just say, let's just say that he was just annihilated. That was his punishment. He's just he just doesn't exist anymore. So his entire life was luxury. Compare that with somebody else. Whose entire life was hell on earth, yet they were they were a good person.
1: Is that fair to you? Uh, fair uh, w- 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 that because uh, well, yeah, yeah, because I mean because they will get eternal life. Yeah, because the the, the people who uh, who are faithful, who are good and faithful servants, they will get eternal life. So that's fair. They get much more reward. And and uh, I believe it's Second Ezra it says that. Um, Um, The the evil are going to see the good people going on to to their great reward and they're going to be tormented. There's going to be torment. I'm not saying that there's not going to be torment. It's just not going to be eternal.
0: So how do you determine how much torment a person gets?
1: I think God is perfectly capable of that. (laughs) I'm not.
0: So you say God, God, just will? he'll just figure that out.
1: Absolutely. Okay, I think he can. I believe it's eternal
0: because God said many, many times throughout the scriptures. I know you said that you don't see that or you don't believe that.
1: I see it. Uh, No, no, no. I, I I say I do believe it's eternal. But if you, if if you're get, if you have, you know, the second death, capital punishment, that is eternal. Okay. to to,
0: to me, if you just don't exist anymore, punishment ceases too. I mean, how can that punishment be punishment if you don't if you don't feel any pain, if you don't if you don't suffer at all, that's not punishment. <laughs>
1: right? Does that mean right. a lot to you? I mean, I don't think it means a lot to me that that people are, are I forgive everybody for everything that they did. And I think that that God will be very merciful and, and take care of them in a merciful way.
0: OK, I think so the Bible says that. <laughs> well, <laughs> When I say carnal mind, I know you, you mentioned this a few times. You met, uh, When I say carnal, when you're looking at it from a carnal mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mean, because I think you should know me well enough to know, Roger, that I. I love you, but I think that the <laughs> logic and reason and truth is really, really important. Yeah. Yes. And I always say that, you know, we, we, we have a logical God. We have a reasonable God. We have a knowledgeable God. We have an intelligent God. We have, we have a God of knowledge. So, you know, definitely. Now. It depends on what kind of knowledge or wisdom i I, we see paul mentioned in second and first corinthians um uh, chapter one and chapter two that there's a couple of different kinds of knowledge uh, there's the worldly knowledge and there's the heavenly knowledge the worldly wisdom and the heavenly wisdom now when when i say carnal mind i'm i'm talking about like job like how job said basically again summarizing i know he Maybe I'm not quoting him, but he said basically, God is unjust in how He's dealing with me. Hmm. That's what I mean. We're I don't joking. really
1: remember him saying that. I, I I I don't really remember that. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems, it doesn't seem to me that that he said that. I thought he kept a pretty faithful uh, view throughout the whole whole situation.
0: So why was why did Job go through when he when he went through?
1: So, um, I mean, it tells right there in the story. There is there is a, a, another, um, a, a, a few more details. I think it's in Jasher, but it might be in Jubilees. I get them mixed up all the time. Um, it actually says that he was one of the um, people who w- uh, was involved in the um, destruction of the babies by the pharaoh. And that he was one of the people who gave advice to do that. He was trying to ameliorate the situation. Um, I don't remember all the specifics, but but it it was actually, if that's correct, that it was a just punishment. But even if you just take the um, the Bible in and of itself, it was a test from uh, the devil. Um, Satan, you know, said, oh, if, 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 if you take everything away from him, he won't believe in you. And, and, and God was like, no, he's a good and faithful servant. Go ahead. Go take everything away from him. And we'll see uh, if he if he, uh, um, you know, is successful through this trial. And, and that's something that we all should know is that God gives us trials to make us better, to refine us like gold. He puts us through this crucible um so but then in the end uh you know uh god was faithful to job and and restored everything and 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 doubled like his wealth and and um and also uh but but there's trials that there's times when when you know people are always saying why do good things happen to bad i mean why do bad things happen to good people because god's testing you Because he's testing you and you'd better not fail because he only wants, like, I think of heaven as kind of being like the Olympic team, you know, um, uh, there's only, uh, say on the basketball team, there's maybe whether they take like 10 or 12 players to the Olympics, those are the very, very, very best players that you have in the whole country. You're, you know, you're taking them from the NBA. They're, they're really tall and they're really skilled and and they're really good. And most of us couldn't hold a candle to them. But only those people make it. And I think that that's what's going to happen. I think you and I actually agree that that most people are not going to be saved. It's going to be like a drop to a wave. I think that's second Ezra as well. It says somewhere in there. Um but uh, it's going to be like a drop to the wave. There's not many people going to be saved. That's why everybody's got to get their ducks in a row. Everybody's got to start obeying the commandments or they will not be saved. They will be destroyed. And that's, you know, it's a relatively just system. I think that that's a relatively just system. Um, you know, God says, well, you, you didn't want to you wanted death. You get it. You know and that's what that, that's and it says elsewhere in the bible I forgot to include this in my notes but it says elsewhere in the bible that that people who god says people who hate me love death and they do that's why they have all these tattoos all over them that have all these you know nasty things on them and stuff because they love death they absolutely love death and the music you, they listen to they love death so guess what they're going to get death
0: Yeah, so um, like Job here, Job in in Job chapter 9, he said, for he, God, crushes me with tempest and multiplies my wounds without cause. Um, He's blaming God for doing things to him without any reason. He's blaming God for injustice here as God lives, who has taken away my justice and the almighty who has made me bitter of soul. Um, You know, and then also, you know, though I were righteous, my, see, see, he, he basically claimed he, he thinks that he is the one that's righteous. God is the one who is unjust in doing what he's doing.
1: Uh,
0: I mean, we can, the whole book is about that. Pardon me?
1: Mm -hmm. Touche. I, I, I think, I think you, you make a valid point there.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as, I, as I'm as i thinking about this topic, I, I, it comes back to my mind, this whole thing. It's like Job, who blames, it's like, no, no, God is wrong in doing this. I'm right. I have a better way. God is not doing. So my question to you, Roger, it, mm-hmm. let's just say, if God said clearly, or let me just say, if God said that he will inflict eternal, or let me just put it a different way because I know some people can twist my words. If God says that if a person dies in unrighteousness, dies in a sinful state, if God said that that person will be tormented forever, would you believe it?
1: If, if he said that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah i mean i would question probably the the uh the translation because i don't think he says that anywhere
0: okay i'm just uh, saying if he said that would you believe yeah
1: it? oh yeah i mean I, whatever god says i believe yeah absolutely and and i know his ways are not like my way i sometimes I, you know i say you know these trials that he puts upon us it, it seems pretty harsh and boy you know it, it's really tough and sometimes uh you know we all get frustrated uh but uh, yeah, whatever God says, I'm totally, yeah, I totally believe it. Yeah.
0: And, and just one more thing here from the Book of yes. Job. It says here, in Job 34 verse five. For Job has said, "I am righteous, but God has taken away my justice. Should I should I lie concerning my right? My mm-hmm. wound is incurable, though I am without transgression." So he's he's charging God of of punishing him beyond what he deserves. It's the same mm-hmm. kind of thing. What? What man is like Job, this is what Job says of himself, who, yeah. dr- who drinks scorn like water, uh, who goes in, in company with the workers of iniquity and walks with wicked men, for he has said it profits a man nothing that he should delight in God. So uh, Job's, the book of Job is full of Job saying that God's punishment is too much. It's more than, it's unjust. It's not righteous god punishes way too much that it's it's just not right and so really you know that's what comes to my mind as i'm as i'm thinking about this whole topic hmm. uh, i think i think a lot of people take the position of job and really it's a position job was his problem was pride his pro, he was a blameless man but he his problem was pride because he put himself in the position of saying, what I think is right is the right way. God, you know, regardless of what God if God does anything more than if God punishes me or punishes anybody more than I think is just or fair, then I'm right. That can't be you know, God's wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, in Job, we know that Job's problem was uh, pride, uh, because. Okay, so Job chapter 42, the, uh, then Job answered the Lord and said, I, I know that you can do everything. Of course, this is after the Lord <laughs> put Job in his place, saying, hey, listen, I'm God. If I want to punish you more than you think is fair, then don't complain. I'm God. Basically, that's this, That's that. after, after the Lord basically shot down Job's pride, saying, listen, listen, Job, you're just a man. If I decide that you get this punishment, I'm God. You think it's wrong? You think it's not fair? Too bad for you. Basically, that's what God said to Job. Then Job answered the Lord in in chapter 42, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I, I have uttered what I did not understand. What did he utter? That God punishes too much. God's punishment's not just. Things too wonderful for me. Again, see, Job now, now he's getting to the point where he's humble. It's like, God, if you want to punish me, like, I, I think that you're punishing me a million times more than I deserve. I'm righteous, but you're treating me like the worst sinner ever. And you, But Job comes to the point where he's humble now. And he says, I've uttered things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, right? So it goes from, again, the doctrinal position to an experiential position. This is, again, why I think that when it comes to the Bible, it's so, it's so incredibly important for people to experience. And if we, if, if we don't experience, take it from those who have. You know, in the, in the case of uh, salvation, in the case of uh, God's presence, And also in the case of of heaven and hell, take it from those who have experienced it. Um, Job chapter 42, verse 6, Job continues, therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Okay, so then that's it. Um, Take it from there and and God restores Job because of his repentance. And so I see the... Again, if there's evidence that is very, very clear, I mean... uh, Again, there's no such thing as undeniable evidence. I get that. Mm-hmm. I think we should come to the table in, in great humility. I think we should present our evidence. And uh, I evidence still have more. Is... Oh, okay, okay.
1: All right. Yeah. Um, so uh, one, one interesting thing. I mean, like I say, destruction is all over the Bible. If you uh, just do a strong search on destruction in, in uh, say, Bible Hub. I love Bible Hub. I use Bible Hub all the time. Um but if you do, do a search on destruction, you'll see how many words in Hebrew mean destruction. Yeah, God is is definitely making a point about destruction. Okay,
0: before we get sure. too far here. Um, Absolutely. I, I do want to respond to everything else that you said. Sure. Now I, I hear you about destruction. and I'll give you I'll give you time to say what you want to say there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, just if you could let me respond to what you said a little sure. bit earlier. Absolutely. Um, It's your show. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so one of your arguments was that ceasing to exist would cause people to want to follow the Lord. Like, oh, you know, you'll you'll die. Um, That will cause people to follow the Lord. Like, that's the best. Some. um, Okay, so basically, what I get, what I understood you to say, is that's like that's the best. what would you call it? The
1: um, motivating incentive. factor. incentive, yeah. right? Yeah. Incentive is a good way to put it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like a lot of people, if they say, oh, I just don't, I'll just cease to exist It'd be like to a lot of people wouldn't care in my point of view, a lot of people um, wouldn't, you're right a lot of people wouldn't care and and I think a, a greater incentive now again it's not really about what what's the best incentive the best the whole thing is that the truth right the truth is the truth whether it sounds like the best incentive or not however you want to talk like in in regards to what what is more uh, what gives people more incentive is you're going to be tormented forever as opposed to hey you know what poof you're gone People will go, oh, poof, I'm gone, uh, and and I can I I can enjoy you know live like a dog, die like a dog, be like, live like a uh, filthy stinking rotten sinner, and, and enjoy the pleasures of sin in this life, and poof, I'm gone. Ah, I'll take that. I'll take that over serving God, and you know whatever. Um, and same thing when it comes to the idea of eternal life. Again, to me, it's like uh, we got to keep get our eyes off of just this worldly life. I have heard people say. I don't want to live forever. Life is too much. I don't want to live forever. Again, that point of view is the point that living is just existing. That's not what it is. Living is not existing, just like dying is not ceasing to exist. It's simple logic. So when people say, uh, and I've, I've heard this, oh, uh, accept Jesus, repent of my sins, and I'll have eternal life, <laughs> who wants to live forever? man oh man i don't want to live forever we have enough you know but the truth of the matter is live is means the fullness of god's blessing the fullness of pleasure the pleasures of the lord the joy of the lord and all the and all that comes with that whereas die like at like I, i i i totally understand i i know where it says um I'm familiar with the passage where it says, "If you eat of this tree, you shall die, die." So, if die, um, in in the same way, die is not talking about just ceasing to exist any more than life is talking about existing. It's talking about a state of being, uh, not just being, but a state okay. of being. So uh, th- that's how I that's how I see it. Because if you if you reduce it to eternal life, just means existing forever then you're going to get people who go, ah, forget it. I don't want to live forever. I've heard people say that. Um, and likewise, with that same logic, if you say, hey, it, you know, eternal death, it doesn't mean ceasing to exist. It just it means a state of life. The the just shall live by faith. There's that salvation. There's that state of really coming into life, not just quote-unquote, living in the, uh, the world, uh, carnally speaking, biologically speaking. Again, going back to Ephesians, when Paul talks to the church, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Um, now, you said about Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, that you can see how that, that the devil and in the, in the prophet can be uh, tormented forever and ever, day and night forever and ever, because their spirit. Amen to that. That's all. That's what I'm saying. It's like you know, if you're spirit, you cannot be consumed. You cannot be. You can be tormented. You can be tormented in fire, forever and ever, without being "quote unquote" burned up because you're spirit. Amen to that. I I totally get it. But you say it only says the devil and the prophet. It doesn't say everybody else. Yeshua made it very clear that you can go to hell which is prepared for, his, for the devil and his angels, okay? So he put people in that category, in that place, according to Yeshua, according to the teachings of Jesus. You know, if you go this way, you're going to go to hell, uh, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. So uh, people are included in that category. And by the way, the prophet, that is one, that is a human being uh, as well, not just a spirit. However, assuming that the, the prophet dies physically, The spirit of the prophet will be tormented day and night, forever and ever, just like the spirit of the devil would be tormented day and night, forever and ever, according to Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. That's how I see it. Spirits are, perhaps they're not, they are, there's no ceasing to exist as a spirit because it's not material. It's not something that can rot.
1: Well, can I just interject here? In in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve were barred from the gar- Garden of Eden, Eden, because God said they might eat from the tree of life and live forever. So, the implication is, if they're not in the Garden of Eden, they are being separated from eternal life. So they're uh, we're we're mortals, and I think that that's it's something that. Um, is an error that's been in uh, Christianity for a long time. Um, but, but the idea is we are created more mortal. Adam and Eve were eating from the tree of, uh, of life in the garden of Eden. They just couldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but they lived by the tree of life, who is also Jesus, who is the vine, with the vine is a tree in Hebrew, you know, and it, it, it goes forward. And I've actually, I, 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 I'll go too far afield. If I start, I'm, I'm like, I go down rabbit trails all the time. but
0: <laughs> So, so I, and when it comes to the garden, of Eden, how, like how, I, how I see it is yeah. um, there's a choice. You either eat of the tr- tree of knowledge of good, good and evil, which is sin. You're sinning. You're disobeying God's command that way. Or you eat from the tree of eternal life. Eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You so die, die. Eternal death. Again, how I see this. I see it clearly that it's talking about existing in a state of death. Forever existing in that spiritual state, or existing in a, sp- in a state of eternal life. So it's like God, God's saying you can't have both. You can't have sin, and you can't have like you can't have death, and you can't have life at the same time. It, like to me, it's quite simple. Again, it's not talking about existence; it's talking about the state of the
1: existence. Uh, well, it seems to me that 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 would be kind of deceptive on God's part. To, to put it that way. And I don't, I don't think that would be plain to most people. I, I, I think that, would, and if he, God is not in that way deceptive. I, I don't, I don't believe he would. I don't want that pretty much makes him a liar. And I, I, I don't believe that God is a liar. He, well, he, if
0: is, you, if you interpret it now, the first 10 chapters of Genesis is very, very, uh, a lot of it can be very virtual. Like, um, figurative spiritual it's almost like revelation right it depends on how you interpret it if you if you interpret it from that and again i i i i do i do say this is that is a very worldly way of looking at it like eternal Mm -hmm. life meaning existing forever whereas die die meaning well you're just going to be dead that's a very worldly way of looking at it but you look at it from the fullness of of the scriptures and again we're putting aside all the the witnesses we're putting aside the hundreds of Perhaps even millions of witnesses uh, that would say that he, that hell is eternal, eternal torment. We're putting aside Luke chapter sixteen, what makes it very clear: uh, the rich man is in eternal torment, not consumed forever, uh, never to be getting to be taken out of that that particular um, state that he's in. Uh, so yes, uh, but, but,
1: the, but the doctrine of the resurrection. I mean, you, you agree with the doctrine of the re- resurrection? There is a res- resurrection from the dead or from Sheol, and, and then then the judgment, right? Don't you agree with that?
0: Yes, resurrection of the of the righteous and resurrection of so the they, unrighteous. It, so, they
1: are, so they are taken out of uh, of Sheol at some point.
0: Yeah, from a, a physical. Yeah, again, we're talking about two different things: oh. spiritual versus physical. The physical body will be resurrected. The spiritual, again, that's a totally different. That's a that's a different world, right? Uh, yeah. Then the, it says the just will be will be raised.
1: Well, well, the Hebrew concept of soul is um, is is nefesh, which really means your, your being and your spirit and your your body are one in in, in regard to who you are. You your being is a nefesh that that is that is your heart your 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 what you are i i think it's as one um there's actually i was listening to actually some um to a rabbi and he was talking Oh, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a long story but he was talking about judgment um basically that they have to be judged together um it's a long long story i won't get into all all that but um and and i think that that's that's correct is is the judgment is is the whole being is is your whole being I think it wouldn't make sense to judge, you know, at the judgment day, just your body is judged. Your body didn't really do anything except, you know, your 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 whole being did it. So, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm
0: not I'm not yeah. getting it. Like, that's not. That's really not what I'm saying. Uh, oh, okay. You know, I do understand that the 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 resurrection of the righteous and the resurrection of the un the unrighteous, uh, right. the unjust. Uh, then there's like there's the Final judgment, if you want to call it that way, and that's where everybody goes to their eternal homes, uh, if you want to put mm-hmm. it that way. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So, in, in your mind, like if you if if someone is un, unjust and they die, you're not you're not um, denying like uh, life after death. No, oh, no. So you're going. So they go to a place. You, like you call it Sheol. Now, there are people Hades. that... Hades, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Hades, Sheol, whatever you call it. Um, now, there are people who say that they go to a place that is very, very, very pleasurable, and then there are people who go to a place that say that very, very torment, a lot of torment there. Mm-hmm. And even people that claim that they've seen people from thousands of years ago still there uh, mm. uh, being tormented. Mm-hmm. Um so how would that work in your mind?
1: Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure what the question is. I, I think that's accurate. I think that's what the Bible says. I, I, I think that's what the Bible says is that that they go there and yeah, until the, they're held there until the uh, until Judgment Day. And I think that an appropriate amount of punishment is probably given to them there.
0: Okay. So let's say somebody died. Let's say Nimrod. Mm-hmm. Very evil man. He died, and he goes to a place in Sheol that's very, very. He's tormented, and he's yeah. tormented there for thousands of years. Versus someone who dies just before the, you know, the closing of this age. Yeah, and he's just as 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 uh, as evil as Nimrod. So it's kind, Nimrod of, was, it's kind of the
1: opposite. It's kind of the opposite of the the the, the 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 laborers laborers who all go out and they get paid the same whether they got there in the beginning of the day or the end of the day. It's a, it's the same kind of concept. That's okay. So,
0: yeah. So, I mean, and like, cause you you appeal to um, what you reason as being just and fair. So I'm just kind of asking, I want to see. Yeah. You're I get, I, I
1: get what you're saying. I think you make a good point. Uh, if somebody who's who's who's, uh, um, who's uh punished for thousands of years as opposed to somebody who's punished for five minutes before the judgment i get yeah. that um
0: yeah. i
1: and i don't have a good explanation for you I'll, I'll be honest with you i'll just tell you that
0: And when it comes to chaff too you mentioned the chaff
1: yeah okay so um if you want to pull up uh, psalm one because that addresses that Okay. If you would Uh, which verse uh, I don't remember which verse <laughs> okay. but it talks about the chaff being it's pretty heavy. short anyway I'll, yeah let's see
0: here we got um, blessed is the yes. man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. There you go. Uh, okay, so, yeah, so um, this is very much like the parable of the wheat and uh, the tares, for example. Absolutely. In, okay, okay, so uh, these kind of things are like, of course, this is all figurative, but, mm-hmm. um, Right. So Yeshua or or uh, God, in this case, is not talking about they, they don't literally become chaff. Um, <clears throat> so I, uh, same with uh, Jesus' parable of the wheat and the tares. They don't literally become tares. They are like the tares. Now, in this in that context, and I understand that that can be used to say, look, it, they're just burned up and they're done. I get that. I get that. Uh, to, to that, I would say this. I mean, w- when we read the parables of Yeshua, we should ask. Like, what is the, what's the point here? What is, what is, what's the, the bottom line? What is Yeshua trying to say? Because we can, like, you can take any parable and, and try, like, over apply it, over apply it. Um, Like, for example, the parable of the sower of the seeds. Uh, He says, like, the word of God is like, you know, um, the farmer that goes out and, and scatters the seed on on the uh, on the field. Um, and so you can overapply it because mm-hmm. every farmer knows that there are seeds that are bad seeds.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now can that be applied to the word of God? No, it can't be applied. Uh,
1: I don't know. <laughs> I mean
0: I, I don't believe that <laughs> any, I'm any for dishonor. I, I really don't believe that any word from God is an unfruitful bad word. Um, so my, my point is this, like you can over apply parables and I think Absolutely. that that could be like, you just got to ask, okay, so what part of this parable is Yeshua pointing to? What part is he using instead of, instead of looking at the whole, like, let's pick a part let's, let's look at every, every detail. Uh, cause I don't think that Yeshua always draw, like really over it that way. Mm-hmm. and so when it comes to the we the the tares and the wheat i think he's just saying basically they uh, the sinners get go into a fire versus the the righteous they get saved and they enter into the quote unquote joy of the lord uh i don't see it as any more than that just like the seeds, well, I, I don't I, see it as any more than that
1: yeah i think i think anybody could just ask themselves what happens in a fire things burn up they, they are consuming material things burn up. Right. And, and I, I've heard I've heard people say that um, different different ideas about hell is that the, the uh, person is going to be uh, sent to hell. And because they understand that evil destroys, so they're going to be destroyed and then they're going to be recapitulated or reformed. Re, uh, and then they're going to be destroyed again and then they're going to be reformed and they're going to be destroyed again. <sighs> I'm sorry, but I, I I think the logic is pretty clear. Um, when it comes to
0: destruction now, just yeah. getting to where you, the last thing you said, when it comes to yeah. destruction. Yeah. Like, so we got uh, a lot of times throughout the scriptures and yes, it does say God, God talks about destruction. Again, mm-hmm. you got to ask the question in, in what way, because mm-hmm. you can be destroyed. You know, like for example, um, the temple was destroyed yeah. uh, you know, or the, you know, Anything like that where it's mm-hmm. it's uh, you know you're, you're uh, like job his his entire life savings was destroyed his house was destroyed everything was destroyed it was destruction. Uh, so yeah it does it does talk a lot about destruction that way. again, we have to make a very clear distinction destruction according to like the earthly things the material things and I think that God does do that even to this day. Um, he does just, he does determine, uh, what I should, what should I decree destruction upon the, un, the unjust and the unrighteous. I think that's happening even now as we speak. Yeah. But again, that's, that is in this world. This is not, that's not in the world to come. Uh, that's a totally different, uh, a d- a totally different topic.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: God does use destruction. Uh, and many other things uh, like that, uh, destruction and pain in this world to lead people to repentance. So that, in like, again, from what I see, they lead people to repentance so that they would uh, be included in the everlasting life existing in that state of joy. And if you want to call it heaven, paradise, or. Well, how do you
1: how do you answer this that well i i i I get actually i think i understand how you would answer this um but it's um the the whole idea of jesus saying you know he doesn't say uh, that he's coming here to bring people to heaven he doesn't say that anywhere he says he's coming to give people eternal life and so it, it seems to me that jesus is very very clear that he's setting up this dichotomy that i'm giving eternal life those who don't come with me don't follow me through this narrow path those people are not getting eternal life they're not that's what's happening to them I, I think that's pretty clear
0: yeah so Yeshua said, I come that you might have life and, and have it to the full uh, yeah, yeah and, and and so yeah I would say amen to that I mean like he he brings people to the Torah he brings people to obedience and as you you know you repent of your sins, you fall into that Torah. You align yourself with that, you will have eternal life, exist in the state of pleasure in heaven, the joy of the Lord. Uh, If you want to put right, Um, as opposed to if you if you um, oppose that or if you deny that, you don't you you say no to him and you say no to his teachings, then you will have again the opposite of that, right? Eternal death. Mm-hmm. And again, as I see it as a state of existence in the death that, that people are already living, existing yeah. in today. Yeah. And as as Paul said, dead and transgressions, the only difference is, is you don't have this world. So it's actually a lot worse because they don't have the only quote unquote heaven that they that they know of, which mm-hmm. is the world with all yeah. of its pleasures.
1: Yeah. Could, could we uh, pull up uh, Proverbs 132? I've just got a couple, a few things here. Actually, just a few more points.
0: For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. I say this quite often, actually. Um, I would encourage any child, anybody, uh, not to be foolish. It does destroy them. We see that often in this world today. We see a lot of foolish people, especially we got celebrities and a lot of a lot of people right from the i mean people on the streets that are po- shooting up heroin i mean mm-hmm. that's destroying them yeah uh, physically as well as spiritually go ahead
1: um could you uh, pull up ezekiel twenty-two twenty? 20. this refers to the melting
0: as men gather silver bronze iron lead and tin into the midst of the furnace to blow on fire to melt it so i will gather you in my anger in my fury fury and i will leave you there and melt you and again how what i see there is i say amen to that because we should be melted you and i everybody that is the purification of the silver the gold the the the, the metal that is burning out all of the worldly things all of the sinful things out of our lives and yeah, that's definitely what we should, we should be melted like that. We should be purified like that so that God can shape us into the into the form that, that He wants us to be in. I do not see that in like really directly applying to anything eternally.
1: Okay. And um it, just to sort of amplify that, um Zechariah 13, eight, I actually have it here. Um if you want to look it up, it's fine too. Uh in the whole land, declares Yahweh two-thirds shall be cut off and perish and one-third shall be left alive and I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested they will call upon my name and I will answer them I will say they are my people and they will say Yahweh is my God um, and then uh, one other Deuteronomy seven twenty six, 26 and and um, basically that's the end of what I have um, and you shall not bring an abominable thing into your house, and become devoted to destruction like it. So Once again, he's—I—I I think it's just pretty clear language um, of, uh, you know, destruction, and I think that's what what he's talking about. But you know, we can go around and around on that one. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and right. I think there is a there's a there's a point where we are just going around and around. Like it, yeah. as I as I you know as I read this and it shall come to pass in all the land says the Lord uh, that two thirds in it shall be cut off and die, one third shall be left in it. Okay, again the, the two thirds cut off and die, people dying because of their sins, um, and the one third, and I will bring the one third through the fire. Again, again, figuratively speaking. Uh, right. We'll refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. You know, again, like how Job was, right. um, uh, they shall call on my name, and I will answer them. I, I will say, this is my people. Each one will say, the Lord is my God. Again, awesome passage. I don't see anything like that referring to eternal uh, or not eternal torment. Uh, I,
1: I, Ezekiel, I think that's the way God speaks. I think I think he he um, he alludes to thing and uh, things and we're supposed to, we're supposed to hear it in our, in our, in our souls. Um, So actually I I did have a couple other little things and then I'll, I'll be done. Um, I I just want to say damnation is, is what we usually, the word we usually refer to when we talk about someone uh, being eternally tormented in hell. The original meaning of that word was loss um, or harm. Which it really is is the same meaning as what evil really means or Ra, um, and and uh, what I was would say to that is just uh, those things lead to death, physical and spiritual. They just they lead to death. Uh, things that are are harmful, and the, and another important thing is um, the the uh, idea of hell. I believe it, it's our modern Christian idea of hell. I don't think it was the, the the ancient view, um, I believe it really comes from Norse mythology. In, in Norse mythology, um, they, they believed in an underworld uh, that was uh, Hell, and they called it Hell. And uh, it was it was presided over by a goddess named Hell. And that's where our idea of Hell comes, where comes, comes from. And then those who were uh, translating the Bible used that as a word for Sheol, uh, Hades, Tartarus, Gehenna Gehenom or Gehenna Um, and so that's where we get that there is Hellel in the um in the bible and that's used one time it's not referring to a place but it's where Jerome put in Lucifer and that's where we get Lucifer from but it really means like morning star or um shining one and um so that's the only hellel that real really in the bible there's otherwise it's it's sheol it's hades it's tartarus it's gehenna which all have their own meanings um so i don't think the concept of hell is biblical it's just not in the you know i've studied the bible a lot for a long time um and i'm just not finding it in the bible so so that would be an interesting thing is is where maybe in the comments or something people could come up with, you know, other than that one in Revelation 20, which I don't think is really uh, referring to people going to the lake of fire. Um, uh, you know, where in the Bible one is deriving this concept of eternal, um, eternal hell. You know, eternal punishment can mean capital punishment. Um I don't, I just don't, I, I, I would like to see evidence from the Bible, but
0: I'm done. Yeah. So, I, you know, <laughs> I, I agree with you on the the, the whole thing about the, the word hell. I think that the King James translators did a horrible job in translating the, that okay. word. I think that they should have translated it different. Um, many times where it says hell, it should say Sheol or it should say grave or, you know, this or that. I you do know. agree with that. Hundred um, percent. I do see. Having said that, I do. I you know. I understand that it it is quite. It has been quite confused, and uh, there's been quite a convoluted kind of way of people looking at it. Like, and I understand the reason why. People don't believe in hell because of that whole thing, and I I remember way back in 1992 when I first got saved, and I started studying this as well. I was like, "Hell means grave here." I mean, and I started I, I'm looking through it myself. Uh, that was 30 years ago, and I'm I'm studying. I'm going like, "Well, say so what What's up with this?" I want the truth. I want the truth. Yeah. Uh, so, having said that, yes, many times where it says hell in the Bible, especially in the King James, it should not say that. However, I do still see the concept of of people. Uh, like Luke chapter sixteen, the rich man being eternally tormented, um, and Yeshua said many many times about eternal torment or eternal fire. Uh, I know people might say, well, that's eternal fire. That doesn't mean they're going to be punished eternally. It's like uh, sodom
1: and gomorrah. Yep.
0: Or it's like uh, it's like well, it says in Revelation that the smoke rises forever and ever, so they're burned up. Well. <laughs> My, it's like okay. So wherever there's smoke, there's fire. Wherever there's fire, like something's burning. So I, you don't look out the window and say, "Oh, there's smoke from." Oh, yeah, there's smoke from a house that burned fifty years ago. Yeah. It's what's it's what's it's what's burning right now. And I think that that's figuratively speaking in, uh, in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can look up a lot of different t- things in in the scriptures where Yeshua says uh, talks about eternal torment, uh, e- uh eternal fire. Where the worm does not die, all this kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, they, th- there's, what, there there are problems on both sides. I understand there are when it right. when it when you look at when you look at it from okay, what looks fair, what sounds fair, what's right. There are problems mm-hmm. on both sides. You know, mm-hmm. again, you can look at and it, it, I would say this is a Job point of view where it's like, well, eternal torments not fair.
1: <laughs>
0: well, okay, so. Living luxuriously <laughs> for a period of time and then just not existing on both sides of life, how can that be fair? Or someone living in, in, in all of their life here on earth in 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 what people would describe as hell, how mm-hmm. can that be fair? You you know, so there are a lot of and then people who die, like how we were talking about earlier, people who die you know, three, four, five thousand years ago, and they're still in torment, and yet later on they're gonna be just all wiped out, and someone who just just dies and goes to quote unquote hell for two minutes and then they get annihilated then they get burned up and they don't exist anymore how is that fair Mm. uh there's i mean there's different i understand there are different ways uh different ways to look at it um yeah i i i I mean we can i don't think yeah it's really i don't i don't think that it's really. I uh, i think
1: i think we've made our points um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, we can go into all the, all the, there are, you know, and I know there are many places that Yeshua talks about eternal fire or eternal torment. Right. Uh, Revelation talks about that. Um, now in the Tanakh, it doesn't say a whole lot about that. I get it. It does say that in regards to quote unquote life versus quote unquote death. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can uh, we can spend hours going through every one of these scriptures. So, but uh, yeah, well, well, as you said, let
1: me ask ask you this. Um, so, do you believe that 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 God will actually purge His creation of all evil? Because if He's keeping people in hell, I don't think He's purging the um, the creation of all evil.
0: Um, I think He purges His creation of all evil by taking part of that. And I don't even know if I want to call it his creation, because he created it not like that. It was the devil that came in to sow the seeds of the weeds. So again, uh, framing it like that makes it sound, it's
1: not the way to frame it. I would say... Well, well, it, well wouldn't hell be part of his creation? I don't understand. Wouldn't part of his creation
0: be- that was polluted by the, by the seeds of the uh, of the evil one. Part of his creation that was... Yeah, I mean, you can, you can put it that way.
1: Um, yeah, so I, did, I, I think... think he's- He's not getting rid of all evil if he, if he allows it to hang around.
0: The thing is, uh, in hell, that's it's not like evil exists. It's like people are not. Um, hell is the, the final, how I see it, hell, again, hell, uh, the, the place of eternal torment, be it in fire or in darkness, is the eternal place where people exist uh and spirits exist people and fallen angels exist forever in that state and i think he purges his his creation in the sense of the new jerusalem you know the how a lot of christians today would call it heaven he purges heaven by making sure those people are not there but they they're not partaking of the tree of life but they are taking of the eternal torment and death that's how he purges it um that's and again too, just to annihilate someone, or just to just to just to wipe them out, just like that. That is a very very uh, that kind of punishment is 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 not sufficient for for the crime.
1: I I, I guess they, I, I would ask you this: uh, Why is it so important that they're punished? I mean, I think it's most important that he that God is pleased and he's going to be pleased by his precious few that make it. I don't think that.
0: Okay. Again, like it depends on how you look at the word punishment. Okay. Again, um, we're not talking about punishment in regards to uh, like, for example, a father punishes his child or uh, you know, a boss punishes his uh, employee. Um, Hmm. We're talking about basically what people have the, 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 the way the the path that people have chosen to walk on and what they have where they've went from there mm-hmm. uh that's what we're talking about it, like again it, why is it important to say it's punishment well i mean it, it to me again it, you, you you frame it and that's framed in the, it, i disagree with the way that's framed because it's like if you walk down this road i can say to somebody if you drive down this road okay you will come across you will Turn a very sharp turn, and there's a bridge that's out, and you you're gonna you're <laughs> you're gonna die. But if you walk down this way, you're gonna be safe. Now, if they choose to walk down that way or drive down that way, and they <laughs> and they end up dying uh, by falling off the bridge. Look at it as punishment if you want. Um, mm-hmm. To me, it's like that's that's the road they chose and that's what they get at the end. I mean, if people choose to live a life away from the holiness, righteousness of God, that's what they're going to get. They're going to get an eternal existence away from the holiness and righteousness of God. Call it punishment. OK, depends on how you look at. It. Um, as God said himself, I don't, you know, I don't desire that the wicked perish, but, but have eternal life. Oof. um
1: perish what does that mean <laughs> death
0: yeah yeah so again it's it's uh perish in the sense of you know spiritually you're spiritually dead
1: i i think that we have to kind of make different meanings for words uh when we do that and and i, I think i think god is speaking pretty plainly uh i, I think he's p- speaking pretty plainly and and that's what he wants he wants the precious few he wants the humble the, the the instead of the few the proud like the marines is the humble and the, and the and the uh they're the, uh, the few and the humble I, I actually you know he- what
0: i miss I, I just just to make sure that uh yeah. i i mean i misquoted that i said perish it actually says die He does not want anyone to die it, it,
1: it, per- perish and die they're synonyms so it's fine. Not to
0: me, they're not. Again, dying yeah. is is existing in in a state of sin and, and and existing in that state, just like how people were before they were saved. Just like how people, when they're saved, they they then they enter into life. Okay, so I misquoted that. That's in Ezekiel or yeah, Ezekiel chapter eighteen, verse twenty three. Well, it I,
1: depends what depends what what, it, what uh, translation you uh, use. It, in other places, it'll say perish. Probably King James probably say perish. But I look at a lot of different translations.
0: So like, for example, this particular, this particular verse here, do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? Again, I think a lot of people would see it as live means as the just shall live by faith. They'll be saved. They They will enter into that state. They will enter into that state of. Pleasure, the 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 joy of the Lord, the paradise, if yeah. you want to call it. Whereas die would be the opposite. You're not saved. You have eternal damnation, eternal uh, torment, as it describes in Revelation, as Jesus described in uh, Luke chapter sixteen, and in many other places talking about eternal punishment, eternal torment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's, I mean, again, looking at it like die life. To me, die is not a, a ceasing to exist. Mm it's not, um, from a carnal point of view. Yes, it is. Absolutely. It's like, oh, now I don't exist anymore. Well, in a way, even physically, you still exist in some form, be it ashes or, <laughs> or bones. You still exist in some form, even physically. Um, but, uh, yeah. So here Yeah, so like for example, second Second Thessalonians chapter one. Now I didn't really Second Thessalonians chapter one verse nine. Um, you know, as Paul says here, um, these shall be punished with e- everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from His glory, from the glory of His power. It doesn't make sense to say they shall be punished by being extinct. But this is more like an exclusion, right? Um, everlasting, like living in a state of everlasting destruction. Yeah. You are being, you are living in a, in a state of everlasting death from the presence of the Lord because you did not choose the Lord. You chose to live away from the Lord. Therefore, you're going to exist forever in that place of being away from love, joy, peace, and all the holiness and righteousness. You're going to live in a state of wickedness.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I just read it in the, in, in the plain sense everlasting destruction is is everlasting destruction and you of course when you're destroyed you are away from all the good things that are in god um if so.
0: if, it, if it meant destroyed as in one time where it's like you're 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 completely wiped out why would he say everlasting
1: why because why wouldn't he just it's, say they should be punished you don't want once you're dead <laughs> it's everlasting <laughs> and and frankly there's no chance to repent is 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 what it is there's no chance to repent I mean there's no chance to, tur- to turn um I did have something about that you know um the idea of um of repentance is to turn you know to turn back and, and you just you're, you're never afforded at that point you're never afforded to um have a chance to uh, tur- to turn back it's interesting a lot of people talk uh, just a, a little side note A lot of people talk about religion and how bad religion is and stuff. And I certainly think that the, um, uh, so many of the so-called religions are really bad, but religion actually means etymology etymologically, uh, to bind back. So it's to bind back to God. And, um, uh, That's a good thing. Um, But you will have no chance to bind back to God. But God is the source of life is the other thing. You know, if God we would both recognize that God is the source of life, like true life, really actual life. He created everything, gave us life. And once he pulls that away, there's nothing there's no there you're not conscious anymore once you're destroyed once your soul your your spirit does always exist your spirit will go back to god in some form but does your consciousness as as you know being able to understand anything uh does that exist anymore does any wisdom could could you have any wisdom could you have any perception all this comes from God. You couldn't have perception. You'd have utter darkness. If your mind is in utter darkness and everything else is in utter dar- darkness, well, we can quibble about whether you're existing or not existing. In my opinion, you're not really existing because all that stuff comes from God. And if He's not going to give it anymore, if you're going to be totally disconnected from God, you're disconnected from the source of life. That's what is that? That's annihilation, that's utter uh, destruction. But I think I think we've actually uh, we've pretty much said all that we can say on this and and um, I, I I love you brother I think you're yeah doing yeah yeah fantastic uh, fantastic job um, but I, I, I'm uh, I'm getting a little tired
0: <laughs> sure sure old oh, man uh, anybody in the comments um, I you know I actually have not even been I've been just busy here I have not even been looking at the comments at all I've been reading them
1: they're they're very been very very interesting. Okay. If you
0: have any, um, I'm not sure how much time you got there, Roger. But uh, um, if you have a little bit more time or not, sure. uh, wh- whatever the case is, uh, if there's anybody in the comments, if you have any question for specifically for Roger, put at Roger. If you put if you have any specific question for me, pl- please put at Christopher. Okay. Um, other than that, I I really really apologize. I'm not. I'm actually. I'm just looking at the comments here. Um, for the first hour and hover. a half, yeah, yeah, there's a lot. So, okay. for the first, the, excuse me, the 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 furthest I can go back is like, um. For, for the first hour and a half, I missed. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't get it back. The furthest well, I tried I can to go address,
1: I address a couple of the of the things, and um, you know, I, I think there were a lot of good points made. Everybody's got their opinion. You, you know, read your Bible. You know. Figure it out. Ask the Holy Spirit, you know.
0: Okay. So, um, yeah, just so you guys know, I'm not sure about you, Roger, but if I go scroll back as far as I possibly can, the, the, uh,
1: you I can't guess, go uh, anywhere. <laughs> I, 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 I can't I go past here.
0: any, I'm sorry.
1: Uh, I, I have one here. It says, um, at Christopher, do you believe universal re- reconciliation could be possible? No, it's, okay, not, it's
0: not in the scriptures,
1: it's not in the scriptures, yeah. Um, yeah. and here's one, um, to me, uh, oh no, it just says uh, that I will have to carry the consequences for the way he lived his life. If you choose to live your existence without your creator, you're without the source of eternal life. Well, that seems a little mean spirited, <laughs> I think. Um, I certainly, I try very hard to live a good life. I think I'm doing all right. I, I, uh, I, I definitely try. <laughs> and,
0: and let me let me just say this as well. I want to say this. Like to right. me, it's like this conversation. To me, it's not like the most important. I think the right, most exactly. important. It's like this is not. I mean, this is kind of like a. um uh, what would you say kind of like a, a, an, an accessory to the uh, to the to the main point right yeah, I think that like, yeah. the most important thing is just to uh, to read the scriptures to obey God to the best of your ability right um, and so I think that's what the most important thing is a, a lot of these uh, a lot of the uh, com- like a lot of the doctrine for, of eternal life or eternal death or heaven or however you want to put it uh, is in the Apocrypha. and I think it's in the Apocrypha for, for uh, excuse me for reason. Um because it's not it's not for everybody. It's not yeah. it's just not for everybody. Uh so as long as uh as long as uh people are on the right path, uh hey, we'll figure it uh, We'll see what happens when we get there.
1: I mean that's it. There's a lot of so, things we're not gonna know until we get there. You know. So yeah.
0: Um and I apologize. The the, the earlier the earliest comment I can get to is like 3 30 um eastern time i can't really go back any further than that so if you guys uh in the in the first hour and a half of our uh, live stream here if you guys put in any questions specifically for me or for roger i apologize uh it's beyond my control if you if you could just put it in again please uh again put at christopher or at roger (laughs) or at christopher and roger (laughs) or whatever um if you don't do that, I'm not going to be able to see your comment. I just can't go through everything. It's just a lot, way too much. Let me see what we got here. Um, I'll take questions for you, Roger, first. Um, and I'm not sure what the, what Jay, uh, Jamie's referring to here, but uh, Deuteronomy 30 at Roger. I'm not sure what the context of that is. I mean, I know what it says. <laughs> oh, I know what, the-
1: right. what is the verse? I mean, how does it, uh, what does it read? I don't know.
0: Uh, just in just a summary, the first 10 verses are about repentance, and the last was about um, how easy it is to obey the Torah. You don't have to go up into heaven to get it, or you don't have to go to, down to the yeah. depths of hell to get it. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what this, um, what Jamie's referring to here, but.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, let me see what we have directed towards me. Um, Jamie also says at Christopher Ezekiel 28, um, again, Jamie, I'm sorry. We can't really spend a whole lot of time trying to pick up, trying to figure out what verses you're, what you're referring to, or, verse,
1: uh, yeah.
0: my apologies there. I mean, uh, if you guys could please like, you know, copy and paste, maybe a verse that you want to, you want to bring to our attention or at least kind of a, the concept or a range of verses that would help. One John says, uh, I just saw an NDE guy talk about hell full of Christians and pastors. And you know what? That's what I always see. Uh, I've, I've read and heard and watched and talked to so many people who have went to a place that they, notice I'm very careful in how I say this, they've went to a place that they call hell and many of them, many of them say they see pastors there. Yeah. It's just amazing,
1: yeah. and
0: and Christians as well. They thought they were saved. They thought they were going to heaven, but or they thought they were going to a different place. Um, and on on the other hand, I, I've had so many testimonies of people who have clinically died and went to a place that they call heaven, and they see. Of course, it's always the same, right? It's, uh, I mean, excuse, not always the same. We got a, a common thread. Uh, we have people who say that. That uh, quote unquote heaven is just so colorful, so peaceful, so loving. Even the plants, even the flowers praise God. Uh, you know, they see uh, perhaps uh, loved ones that have gone on before them or friends or even some of the uh, characters of the Bible, some of them have claimed to have run across. Um, and also, something very interesting is a lot of people. Not everybody, but it seems to be a c- kind of common see babies like I'm talking about millions and millions and millions mm-hmm. of babies and they say that uh, uh, Jesus uh, identifies these babies as, as being uh, um, uh, victims of abortion and yeah. every time and every time uh, uh, when the Lord uh, I've heard so many different uh, stories about this, Every time it's like when the Lord does identify these these children as victims of abortion, he gets very, like he can see the fire in his eyes, so to speak. He's very angry about it. And uh, I don't think it's been an important
1: to, issue. It's been an important issue to me, something. I'm, I'm very pro-life. I mean, awesome. I, I of course I'm pro-life because, right, I believe the whole dichotomy is life and death. So I'm very pro-life.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Vita says Deuteronomy 28 blessing and curse life and death heaven and hell. I say amen to that. Vita.
1: Um, um, one thing here, um, Jamie Russell says um, the witness of the word is conditional immortality, and people who um, who take my stance it's another another word for annihilationism is conditional immortality. Uh, like I said, I, I believe we are created mortal. Yes, we have the breath of God in us, which is the spirit, which is indestructible. But um, to actually continue existing as an afesh, as our as our our being, we have to eat from the tree of life or we, w- we will not be immortal until uh, Jesus provides us with that.
0: You know, this it kind of brings me to a little bit more detail. Um, conditional immortality now i'm going to define it differently uh, okay. i will say amen to that but i will define it differently because we we read about the 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 righteous being resurrected on, you know and we also read about the the wicked being resurrected so i believe that yes the wicked will not exist forever in a state of fleshly body okay so in that sense the immor- immortality meaning that you 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 exist in like your mortal body, so to speak, exists in a, in a uh, forever. Uh, I would say I'm into that, uh, where the righteous are raised uh, into immortality. Um, however, I, I, I do see uh, and understand the scriptures and witnesses, uh, million, actually I, hundreds for sure that I've, I've, I've run across and read, uh, that, that that's again, that's not talking about the actual spirit of the man or the woman. Um, which exists um, in, a, in a different state. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Christina says, At Christopher, I agree. It's, it's unjust to let them rest in the dirt after what they've done. Uh, Jamie says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole su- the world but loses his soul?
1: Loses yeah. his soul.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can lose your. There's a lot of people today. They've lost their soul. They have sold. They have. They have basically sold their soul over to the devil. Uh, you know, and again, if these people die in that state, they do. They do exist in that state where they actually have lost their soul uh, to the devil, uh, although they are still in that place of torment forever. Uh, they don't retain their soul. They don't retain their soul. But again, as as well, uh, that whole um, passage where it talks about loses a soul, uh, again, if you look it up, it probably can be translated as life as well. And again, life, um, let me see here. It's Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Uh, just pulling it up here. Uh, what is it? What does it profit a man if he gains his whole the whole world and loses his soul? Um, can be translated as soul or life, mind, heart, heartily. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, breath, breath of life. So it can be, it can be translated as many different things. Um, I mean, it could also be translated as or uh, interpreted as meaning if you you, lo- you lose that, quote unquote, life and you instead inherit, quote unquote, death. Again, the death that you had, hopefully you had not still have um, in a, living in a state or existing. Let me put it that way. Existing in a state of death without the physical world, without money, sex, drugs. Uh, in every other pleasure that this world can offer. So it it depends on how you want to interpret that. Um, See what else we have.
1: Um, One thing Christina uh, pointed out was Revelation 14, 9 through, I think it's 11. um, And it talks about the, the, the people being tormented and the smoke going up forever and ever. And I would agree that that's a, that's, one of those outliers that i was talking about one of those things there are a few statements that seem to indicate that, that there is uh eternal um uh torment for for people i just think that when you have so many um so many passages uh talking about life and death and and that that is for me it, it just appears to be an overall theme of the bible um that those outliers have to be understood in that context. That's, that's where I would go with that. There's just not a lot that really points to that, um, that eternal torment. I, I, there is a couple of things though. And, and that's like, like you would say, we don't know this for sure. And I'm not saying that I absolutely am 100% convinced, but I am, I'm pretty convinced, like 98% convinced.
0: It's like yeah, Paul. So-
1: it's like Paul, Paul. there's a lot about Paul that's very damning, but then there's historical evidence that he did a lot of good. So I, I don't know exactly what the story is there. And I. so I, you know, we'll find Jamie, out. In the end.
0: Jamie says eternal punishment, not eternal punishing. Uh, I, again, this is a play to me.
1: It's a play on
0: words. Um, why would we again? Why would he even say eternal if it's just punishment? Why would he put eternal in there? And if well, if non existence if, if non existence yeah. is yeah. eternal punishment, that means everybody was was under eternal punishment before we we were conceived. Uh,
1: I think no, I think the reason why he, he well whether they weren't because then they were brought into life, but um, but I think the reason why he's saying it, it's um, eternal punishment is um, just so people don't think oh it's gonna die, you're gonna die and then you well, you're gonna live beyond that. Um, He's I think that's why he's he's saying it's eternal, because it's you don't have any more chance after that. And it's going to be ugly for those people who are going to be destroyed, because, like I say, they're going to see the rewards of the righteous and they are going to be very, very unhappy. Very tormented.
0: Yeah, let me correct myself, uh, Roger. You, you corrected me uh, saying that it's not eternal punishment because we were conceived. OK. I I digress. It's not it's not internal punishment. So let me just put it this way. If it's punishment for someone to not exist, if that's punishment, then we've all been punished before we were conceived for how many thousands of but
1: years. But we were then we were certainly compensated by given being given life. I mean certainly. But but I, I just I don't think before you exist and again really the life can happen. The right.
0: life is not really life. Okay. So well well our living here. One. I'm
1: just I I'm, in in regard to life in this sense, I'm just talking about the fact that we live here and we do get to, I mean, I I think there's very few people who would actually uh, prefer death over life. I think I, I, we think about it. Maybe people try to commit suicide. Some do commit suicide, but if they really, uh, really most people, if they really think about it, would prefer life and living than, than death.
0: And that, that, that that's, that's a really good point that, um, I remember. Uh, I, I actually posted a video on on YouTube about this. Uh, I don't know how many years ago now. This is back when, uh, out of respect uh, for the the certain celebrity, even though maybe that certain celebrity doesn't it doesn't deserve that much respect. But out of respect for the dead, if you want to put it that way, um, I'm not going to mention her name. But there there was a uh, several years ago. There was a very very popular, very famous celebrity that more or less killed herself in the sense that she um, because of a drug overdose uh, she passed out in in the bathtub and and she ended up dying. And uh, (laughs) should I say his name? Uh, Maybe I should. Um, So Greg Laurie uh, actually, I think he spoke or he posted or he, whatever. I, I don't know if he did the funeral or something else. He said, well, she's in the hands of Jesus right now. Yeah. And I'm like, man, don't yeah. say that. If you say oh, no. that, you can. And I actually sent him an email and I said, listen, please do not say that. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that, you know. uh but.
1: Mm. I understand, it,
0: you know, that you don't want to go up there and say well he, she's in hell right now. I understand you don't want to do that. I understand that it's a, it's a sensitive situation. You got a lot of people who love her. But please at least don't lie about it. Mm-hmm. At least it, the way he puts it he like the way he put it like like she's in heaven. And so I said, "Listen, you're going to encourage someone else to do it." And sure enough, wasn't that long afterwards, her daughter also did the very same thing. Wow. And so I'm like, you know, and and this is a thing, right? Um, And I have, there's a good friend of mine from back a long time ago um, that called me one time and I could tell he was in really bad shape. And I asked him, he didn't tell me, I asked him, I said, are you suicidal? And he said, yes. And I knew it was serious because he didn't tell me. Mm. It's not like he's using it as a manipulation. He's not like he's using it to pry, like, to, you know, just to manipulate or make me, you know, to manipulate the situation somehow. I knew it was serious. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm coming over to your place right now. So I dropped everything and went over to his place. And I sat down with him and I said, look it. And I went through the scenarios of everyone who have... Um, and there's a lot of people too you'll find that um even on youtube i'm not sure with all the stuff that's going on now, i'm not sure if you can still find it but it used to be anyway or if you do uh, you know i you know committed suicide and went to hell mm-hmm. uh, and i went through some of this stuff with him face to face with him in his dining room at the dining room table and i said man you think it's bad now if you do that it's going to be a, more than a million times worse You think you're in, you think you're experiencing hell now. You don't, it's not even comparable to what you will experience. And make a long story short, he's still alive today. And that was like, um, how many, 15 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Um, And that's the thing. I I think that if people were told the truth about that, about hell,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They would not. They would live a whole lot better. Um, they would not not commit. Because again, like honestly, the idea that if you just if instead of going to hell and being tormented um, for even if it's for thousand years, mm-hmm. um, um, and then being you know, the idea is if. People really get to see how much, what hell is according again according to the scriptures, according to witnesses, and I would still say witnesses have to the scriptures and witnesses have to. If you have witnesses that don't line up with the scriptures, (laughs) it's either they're all liars, which I don't think they are, or the scriptures wrong.
1: Uh, But in in a near death situation, I mean, they would. It's not resurrection time yet. It's not judgment day, so they're going to an intermediary state, you know, some, something like Sheol or or, or Hades. So, right.
0: Okay. So let me see what else we got here. Do you believe in universal? Yeah, you already got that. One John says, Mister Enoch, uh, the second death is in there at least four times. So I harmonize by saying that they are punished until the great, uh, the Great White Judgment after the Millennium.
1: That's that's my view as well.
0: Yeah, I mean that, that's my view, but I do believe that the second death is uh, the the last and great judgment of living eternally in the state of death and torment forever, mm-hmm. as it says in um, Revelation chapter twenty, verse ten, and as again how Yeshua also lumped people in that category. Saying, yeah, hell, that that hell was created for the devil and his angels. But you're going to go there too if you don't repent. Uh, Yeshua being uh, teaching that. Um, so I think that's I think that's what we got. I think that's it. Last call for you guys. If, uh, if you know, uh, if you want to bring something to my attention, please put at Christopher in there. If not, put at Roger or whatever. But um, I'm sorry, I can't go through all of the all of the um,
1: uh, comments. Well, I thought this would be like a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think went, people found it interesting, like, which is good.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, uh Jackson Snyder there uh yesterday before he, before yeah. he before he came on. Yeah. Uh before he came on, he's like, "Well, I don't know if I can have, you know, he's like, I, do I have can I have an hour because yeah. I have a lot of stuff." I'm like I'm like, Dr. Snyder, you can have two hours, three hours. Yeah, Usually good. when it's like um, with, uh, with Courtney, when when she was on there uh, last week, um, she's like, I only got an hour. I only got an hour. I'm thinking, yeah. "Hmm, I don't know if you're going to, I think we're going to get into things that's going to be a little bit more than an hour.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Okay, so I don't see anything more here, um, directed specifically to Roger or myself. Mark says, bring 2nd Esdras 7, verses 70 to 140. And I was Mm. gonna read that, I was gonna read that uh, earlier.
1: Um, I love 2nd Esdras, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it is, it is awesome. As I said before, anybody who has not read that, uh, you you're uh, you're missing out.
1: Mm.
0: I know Second Ezra's chapter seven is a really good chapter, all in all. You know, I you know what, like I that's I, I want to read. You know, I, that's I want to read the whole chapter, chapter seven. It is a little bit of a longer chapter, so I am want to read the whole chapter. Um, Roger, do you want to stick around or are you? Are you
1: got- I, I think I'd like to bow out if you don't mind, and I'll just listen to it. Is okay, like Roger. Okay with yeah. you? Well, thank
0: I, I you hope- very much for coming on, and uh, thank yeah, thank you. you for sharing your points. Uh, yeah, I, I respect you, and uh, yeah, like me we said, uh, <laughs> like like we said, uh, when the time comes, we'll.
1: We'll see. We'll what find is. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, thank Roger. you very much. Thank you very much. I hope you'll have me on again if, uh, looks like you're, from. if something else comes up.
0: Sure. Uh, send me an email and, uh, we'll see what we can do.
1: All right. Sounds great.
0: All right. Blessings, thank Roger. You. Thank you. Shalom. Bye-bye. Shalom. Okay. So let's, uh, yeah, I'll read this and, um, and that'll wrap it up for for today. Again, if you have any questions specifically for me, just put at Christopher in the live chat. Okay, here we are. Um, I'm reading from, usually I I read from eBible or Bible Hub or Blue Letter Bible, but I'm going to read from BibleStudyTools.com this time. This is 2nd Esdras, chapter 7. When I had finished speaking, the same angel that had been sent to me on the earlier nights appeared again. He said, "Stand up, Ezra, and listen to what I have come to tell you." Go ahead, sir. I said. He replied, "Picture in your mind a broad, immense sea spreading over a vast area, but with an entrance no wider than a river. No one who who wishes to enter that sea, whether to visit it or control it, can reach it its broad expanse of water without passing through the narrow entrance." Or take, take another example. Picture a city built on a plain. The city is full of all kinds of good things, but the entrance to, to it is narrow and steep, with fire on one side and, and deep water on the other. The one path between the fire and the water is so narrow that only one person may walk on it. Could be that this is what Yeshua was talking about when he talked about the narrow path. Verse 9. If anyone inherits this city, he cannot take possession of his inheritance without passing through this dangerous entrance. That is right, sir, I said. That is how it is with the people of Israel, he, he added. I made this world for their sake, but when Adam broke my commands, the world came under my judgment. Then the entrances into this world were made narrow and difficult to travel. Though they they were rough, dangerous, and few in number, but the entrances to the great world to come are wide and safe and lead to immortality. Everyone who lives must walk the narrow and meaningless ways of this world in order to receive the blessings stored up in the, in the world to come. So Ezra, why are you upset and disturbed about the thought that you are mortal and must die? Why did you think about, or why don't you think about the age to come, rather than the present age? I answered, Lord and my, and Master, in your law you said that the righteous would receive all these blessings, but that the wicked would perish. The righteous can endure all the difficulties of this narrow way because they look forward to the broad and open life of the future. But the wicked must pass through the narrow way without any hope of seeing the broad open life. The angel replied, "Do you think you are better? You are a better judge than God? Do you think you are wiser than God most high? It is better to let many people of the present age perish" than to allow them to neglect the law that God has given them. God has given clear commandments to everyone coming into this world, telling them what they should do to obtain life and avoid punishment. But the wicked would not listen and refuse to obey him. In their foolishness, they have made their own wicked and deceitful plans, denied the existence of God Most High, and refused to follow his ways. They rejected his law, refused to accept his promises, disobeyed his decrees, and failed to do what he commanded. That's the reason, Ezra, that there is emptiness for the empty and fullness for the full. The time is coming when these signs will take place. The invisible city will appear, and the land that is now hidden will be seen. Everyone who survives the calamity I have predicted will also see the wonderful things I will do. My son, the Messiah, will be revealed together with those who come with him. He will bring 400 years of happiness to all these survivors. At the end of that time, my son, the Messiah, and all human beings will die. Then the world will return into or to its original silence. And for seven days, it will be like it was at the beginning. No one will be left alive. After seven days, this corrupt age will pass out of existence and a new age will be awakened. The ground will give up the dead who who, uh, who sleep there in silence and the souls of the dead will be released from the places where they have been kept. God Most High will appear on his judgment seat. Mercy and patience will vanish completely and be replaced by judgment truth and faithfulness will once again stand firm. The good and bad that people have done will be fully revealed and reward and punishment will follow immediately. The pit of torment, the fires of hell will appear and opposite them, the paradise of joy and rest. Then God most high will say to the nations that they have been raised from the dead. Excuse me. Then God Most High will say to the nations that have been raised from the dead, Look, I am the one whom you have denied and refused to serve. It is my commands that you have rejected. Look around you. There is joy and peace in one direction, fire and torment in the other. That's what he will say to them on Judgment Day. On Judgment Day, there will be no sun, moon, or stars, no cloud, thunder, or lightning. No wind, water, or air. No darkness, evening, or morning. No summer, spring, or winter. No heat, frost, or cold. No hail, rain, or dew. No noon, night, or dawn. No daylight, brightness, or light. The only light will be the dazzling brightness of God Most High, making it possible for everyone to see. The judgment will last seven years. That's the arrangement I have made for Judgment Day. But I have revealed these things only to you. Then I said, Lord, I repeat what I said earlier. How fortunate are the people who can live now and obey your commands. But what about those for whom I have been praying? There is no there is no one in the present generation who has not sinned, no one who has not broken your covenant. Now I understand that the world will, the world to come will bring joy to only a few, but torment to many. The evil impulse within us has grown and it has led us away from God's ways, brought to brought us to root, excuse me, brought us to ruin, put us on the way to death and destruction and taken us far from life it has destroyed only a few but almost everyone who excuse me it has destroyed not only a few but almost everyone who has who has ever created listen to me the angel said and i will teach you further the, uh, and correct your thinking because only a few will be saved god created two worlds instead of only one As you say, only a few are righteous. Only a few people are righteous. There are large numbers of people, of wicked people. But listen, if you had only a few precious stones, would you add lumps of lead and clay to them in order to have more? Surely no one would do that, sir, I answered. Take another illustration, he continued. The earth itself will give you an answer if you humbly ask it, whether it produces more gold, silver, copper, iron, lead, or clay. There is more silver than gold, more copper than silver, more iron than copper, more lead than iron, and more clay than lead. So judge for yourself which are more desirable and valuable, common things or rare things. I answered, Lord and Master, the common things are cheap. It is the rare things that are valuable. All right, he replied, so draw a logical conclusion. The per- the person who has what is scarce has more reason to be pleased than the person who has what is plentiful. It's the same with the ju- judgment that I have promised. I will be pleased with the few who will be saved because they are the ones who who now praise and honor me and make my name known. I will not be sad about the large numbers, the large number of people who who will be lost because even now they, they last no longer than a vapor. They disappear like fire and smoke. They catch fire, blaze up and quickly go out. Then I said to the earth, look at what you have done. When you have given, when you give birth to the rest of creation excuse me when you give birth to the rest of creation you give birth to reason it would have been better if you had never if you had never been created then then we humans would never have had uh, the power of reasoning but as it is now our reason grows up with us and then torments us because we realize that we're, we're going to die. Compared to us who must bear this sorrow, the dumb animals must be happy. They are much better off than we are. They do not have to look forward to the judgment. They are not aware of any torment or salvation that is promised to them after death. What good is it to us that we are going to be given life in the future if if it is uh, to be a life of terrible torment. Everyone who is born is caught in the, in the web of sin, is full of wickedness and burdened with guilt. I think it would be better if after death, we did not have to face judgment. Then the angel replied, When God Most High was creating the world, as well as Adam and his descendants, the first thing he did was to get everything ready for the judgment so you ought to learn from your own words you said that your reason grows up with you and that's the point the people of this world used their reason and sinned they received god's commands but he did not keep them excuse me but but did not keep them they accepted the law and then disobeyed it and that's why they will suffer torment what excuse Can they offer at the judgment? How can they answer at the last day? God Most High has been very patient with the people of this world for a long time, but it has not been for their sake. He has done it for the sake of the age to come. Then I said, Sir, may I ask you please to explain to me what happens when we die, when each one of us must back our soul? Will we be kept... At rest until the time when you begin to make your new creation, or or will our torment begin immediately? Okay. I will answer that question also, he replied, but do not include yourself among those who will be tormented because they have no use for religion. After all, you have a treasure of good works stored up with God Most High, which will not be shown to you until the last days. But to answer your question about death, when God Most High has pronounced the final decree that a person shall die, the soul leaves the body to return to the one who gave it. Immediately, it praises the glory of God Most High. Let me explain first about people who have no use for the ways of God Most High and hated those who worshipped Him. There is no place where their souls can go for rest. They must wander around forever in torment, grief, and sorrow. Their torment will progress in seven stages. First, they ignore the law of God Most High. Second, they can no longer make a sincere repentance and obtain life. Third, they see the reward stored up for those who put their faith in the covenants of God Most High. Fourth, they think about the torment that has been stored up for them in the last days. Fifth, they see angels guarding the homes of other souls in complete silence. Sixth, they recognize that they must soon be tormented. Seventh, and worst of all, When they see the glory of God Most High, they are sick with remorse and shame. They cringe in fear because while they were living, they sinned against Him. And now they are about to come before Him to be judged on the last day. Now let me explain about those who followed the ways of God Most High and what will happen when the time comes for them to leave their mortal bodies. While they lived on the earth, on earth, Through constant difficulty and danger, which reminds me of the um, Lazarus, constant difficulty anyway, they served God most high and carefully kept the law given by the lawgiver. This is what they will receive. They will rejoice when they see the great glory of God. He will receive them and they will enter their rest in seven stages of joy. The first joy, is to have struggled hard and won the victory over the evil impulse which was formed in them, but which did not succeed in leading them from life into death. The second is to see the endless wandering of the souls of the wicked and the punishment that is waiting for them. The third is to know what a good report their Maker has given about them, that during their lifetime they kept the law that was entrusted to them, the fourth is to appreciate the rest that they are to enjoy in the places where they have been brought together, guarded by angels in complete silence and with the glory that is waiting for them at the last day. The fifth is to rejoice that they have now escaped the corrupt world and that they will for, uh, they will receive the future life as their possession. They can see both the narrow, troubled world from which they have been freed and the spacious world they will receive and enjoy forever. The sixth is to be shown how their faces will shine like the sun and how they they are like the one, the light of the stars. Excuse me. Uh, The sixth is, is to be shown how their faces will shine like the sun and how they are to be like the light of the stars that never die. That reminds me of Daniel chapter 12. The seventh joy, and best of all, is when they rush to meet God face to face with perfect trust and happiness, without any fear or shame. They served him during their lifetime, and now they will receive from him their reward in glory. These rewards that I have been telling you about uh, are those that have been prepared for the souls of the righteous. I described to you earlier the torment that the rebellious will suffer. Then I asked, when the souls of the righteous are separated from their bodies, will they be given time to see me, Yeah, be given time to see what you have told me about? They will be free for seven days," he answered, and during that time they will be able to see the things I have told you about. Let me just just quickly here. This could be the reason why, when people do pass away, they a lot of people say that they have uh, they have been uh, given a tour of heaven and hell. So that that is those witnesses uh, are um, a witness to this fact right here. After that, they will be brought together with the soul with other souls in their homes. Then I said, Sir, please tell me whether the righteous will be able to ask God Most High to show mercy on the unrighteous on Judgment Day. Will fathers be able to pray for their children, children for parents, brothers for sisters, relatives for those uh, near to them, and friends for those dear to them? I will be happy to tell you, he replied. Judgment Day is final and sets the final seal on truth for all to see you know that in this age a father cannot send his son to be sick for him or or sleep or eat or be healed for him an owner cannot send his slave to do these things for him nor can a person send his best friend in the same way on that day no one will be able to pray for another person Each person will receive the punishment or reward for his own sinfulness or righteousness. If that is so, I answered, how can we explain what we find in the scriptures? Abraham prayed for the the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses for our ancestors who sinned in the desert. Later, Joshua prayed for the people of Israel in the time of Achan. And Samuel prayed for them in the days of Saul. David prayed for the time of the epidemic or prayed at the time of the epidemic, and Solomon prayed for those who were going to worship in the temple. Elijah prayed that people might have rain and uh, and for a dead person to come back to life. Hezekiah prayed for the people during the time of Sennacherib. And there are many other examples. If righteous people prayed for the unrighteous during such times when corruption increased and injustice multiplied, why don't the same thing happen at judgment at the Judgment Day? The present age is not the end of the beginning. Excuse me, not the end of everything. The present age is not the end of everything, the angel answered. Even in this age, the glorious presence of God is not always seen. That is why the strong have prayed for the weak during this age. But the Judgment Day will be the end of the present age and the beginning of the future age then all corruption will end talk about purging purging the world of evil all corruption will end again this is not including the forever torment that we just read about earlier then all corruption will end self-indulgence and disloyalty will be eliminated righteousness and truth will reach their full maturity so on judgment day no one will be able to have mercy on those who have been condemned and no one will be able to harm those who have been acquitted i i made this point before and i will make it again it would have been better if the earth had never produced adam or when it had done so if it had made him so that he could not sin what good is it for any of us to have life in the present age when it is full of misery and, uh, and when we all can look forward to uh, to excuse me, and when we can look fo- and when all we can look forward to after death is punishment. O oh, Adam, what have you done? Your sin was not only your downfall, it was also the downfall of all us who are your descendants. What good is it to us that we have the promise of immortal life when we have committed sins that condemn us to death? What good is the hope of eternity when we find ourselves in such completely, in a completely hopeless situation? What good is it that safe and secure homes have been prepared for us in the future world when we have lived such wicked lives? What good is the promise that the glorious presence of God will protect us or protect those who have lived pure lives when our own lives have been so full of sin? What good is it that paradise has shown to us that its imperishable fruit can heal us and provide all we need? We can never go there because we have lived unacceptable lives. What good is it That the faces of those who practice self control will shine more brightly than the stars when our own faces will be blacker than the night. Never in our whole lives, when we sinned, did we think about what we would have to suffer after death. The angel replied Here is the meaning of the conflict that every person on earth must endure. If he is defeated, He must suffer things you have just told me about. If he is victorious, he will receive the rewards that I have just mentioned. That is why Moses long ago urged the people to choose life so that they might live. But they did not believe him or the prophets who came after him. And they did not believe me when I spoke to them. So the sadness over their destruction is nothing compared to the great joy over the salvation of those who believe. I answered, Sir, I know that God Most High is spoken of as merciful because He shows mercy to those who have not yet entered this world. He is called compassionate because He shows compassion to those who repent and obey his law. He is thought of as patient because he is patient with his own creatures who have sinned. He is known as generous because he he prefers to, to give rather than to demand. He is known as very forgiving because he continues to forgive sinners of the past, present, and future. If he did not continue to forgive There would be no life for this world or the people in it. He is spoken of as pardoning because if it were not for His goodness in pardoning sinners, not one person in 10,000 would gain life. He is called judge because He pardons and blots out the many sins of those who were created by His Word. If He did not, only a handful of the whole human race, would be left, would be left. Uh, just before I get too far here, as well, I believe it's Enoch. Uh, the book of Enoch also goes a little bit more into detail in in regards to what happens after death, to the places that are assigned to certain people. You know, the good people go here, the bad people go there, until the day of judgment. That's very interesting as well. One of, the thing, one of the really good things about the book of 2nd Ezra, now again, re- remember the book of 2nd Ezra was considered, actually it is considered scripture by many, many Christians, many, many people. Um, uh, and it is, it was considered to be holy scripture up until just the last little, how many, few hundred years in Protestant circles alone. But the book of 2nd Ezra makes it, uh, is really also, um, I mean, it talks about, eschatology, you know, the second coming, uh, the future of this world. As we just read, it talks about life after death. Uh, another thing that it talks about is the canon itself, or the Bible canon itself, if you want to put it that way. Um, how many books are considered to be Holy Scripture? Now, according to Second Esdras, uh, it says that 94 books are considered to be Holy Scripture, and 24 of those 94 books are uh are the ones that are made public. Those 24 books are the exact same books that we have in our quote-unquote Old Testament. Somebody might say, but but in the Old Testament, isn't there 39 books? Yes, there are 39 books in the Old Testament. However, uh, in that time, in that day and age, in Ezra's day and age, in, in the Jewish mind as well, those 39 books are actually only 24 books because some books are, amalgamated. You know for example first and second kings 1 and first and second chronicles or you know we got some of the minor products or minor prophets that are amalgamated. Um, and so some of the books that we are that we now have that are divided into two or more uh, are actually considered to be one in the ancient Tanakh. So we have 24 books in the Tanakh which is for the common man and 70 70 books that are considered to be quote-unquote apocryphal apocryphal book apocrypha doesn't mean that it's that it's wrong it doesn't mean that it's false it doesn't mean that it's not accepted in fact in uh second esdras it it means that it's it's accepted and it's more than accepted it is hidden because the world the word apocrypha means hidden and why hidden because those apocryphal books contain deep spiritual truths and wisdom that only spiritually discerning people can correctly interpret. That's why they're not out there for the public. Now, with the internet, we have many of those 70 books, I believe, are available to the public, but they're not really supposed to be. They're supposed to be available only for the quote-unquote wise for the spiritually discerned, for those who are advanced in their spiritual walk with God. Uh, almost like the same reason how it was back, you know, hundreds of years ago uh, when you got like the ancient, uh, I'm not sure too much about the Roman, uh, the um, Orthodox Church. I think this is still applicable, especially uh, in regards to the Ethiopian Orthodox. But I know Roman Catholics used to be more like this as well, where it's like the Bible is only for only for the the special people of the church. No, not everybody read the Bible, uh, and that's the way it used to be back in those days. Uh, but in the Book of Second Ezra, it says there are twenty four books, the Tanakh, that is for the for the public. And again, the reason why they're for the public because that's really that is really um, that's the Law and the Prophets. Um, that is those are books that are, that clearly paint out what God wants his people to do or not to do. Uh, the laws, the commandments of God and, and, and the laws of repentance and all that kind of thing. You know just the plain simple law and the prophets, those are the 24 books. Whereas the Apocrypha, well, as we just read here, it contains a lot more of the deeper things of the spiritual world, uh, not for the not for the general public. So, in fact, back, back in those days, uh, in the days of Ezra, I mean, we got a lot more books that have been written since then. And one could argue more of the books of the Apocrypha, uh, the Maccabees and so on and so forth, could have been written after 2nd Ezra's or after the days of Ezra. And that means that there would be a lot more than 94 books. And that does not include... Um, that does not include the New Testament or any of the writings of the early church fathers or any any of the other uh, what I would what I would consider really good books like the Shepherd of Hermas, um, the Didache, these kind of books. Uh, so basically speaking, in Ezra's day there was ninety four books, including the twenty four books that that are actually uh, our thirty nine books, which means that the quote unquote Bible. Of those days consisted of a hundred and nine books, a hundred and nine books. That's before some of the, you know, the later books of the apocrypha were written. That's before the New Testament. That's before any of the other um, uh, epistles and and uh, other uh, post um, Tanakh writings. So really. Um, According to the 2nd Ezra, we should have at least, what? At least 110. We got someone like, um, I know, Onia. uh, He believes that there should be over 200, 200 books in the Bible. Um, He's got his reasons for that. Uh, Obviously, there should be way over 100 anyway, way over 100, if not over 200. So it's very, very interesting. Jerome says uh, is it a sin to defend yourself I get this question actually a lot uh, or those who can't defend themselves and is it murder uh, the same as is, no the murder is not the same as killing um, in, in, uh, in some cases someone kills a perpetrator yeah you see in the in the uh, let me just start with the last one first um, in the in the uh, ten Commandments you got thou shalt not kill. Um, really what it should say is thou shalt not murder. There are some translations that do say thou shalt not murder, and that's a way better translation because thou shalt not kill. And you got people, again, you got a lot of people who focus so much. They zoom in so much on that. And you got people in certain parts of the world, uh, without mentioning any names, you got people who believe that to the uttermost. And what I mean by that is they don't believe in killing people insects they don't believe in killing um destructive anything destructive be it insects or or, or uh, rodents or anything like that they don't believe in killing anything like that uh yeah even got people who take it even a little bit further they do not believe in killing germs I'm not kidding you there are people there are people who do not believe in killing germs they don't wash their hands and they don't bath they don't they don't take a bath Yeah. Because thou shalt not kill. Don't kill any bacteria on you. That's wrong. So, yeah, it, it can be taken to an, to an extreme. Um, is it a sin to defend yourself? Um, no, it's not a sin to defend yourself. Uh, you have to be very careful um, when it comes to that situation, because, again, you don't want to overdo it. Um, it was seek peace at every at every opportunity at every turn. We need to be peacemakers. Um, however, yeah, to defend yourself is not a sin. Definitely not. Um, we have uh, we have m- many people that defended themselves all the way through Scripture. Many people, uh, even Yeshua, uh, even though he didn't, uh, what would you say? He wouldn't. He didn't. Um, like, he didn't take the offense, but he did defend himself in the sense that, let's get out of here. If we don't get out of here, um, uh, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to arrest me or they're going to do me in. Uh, so he evaded that those times uh, many, many times. Uh, we got Paul in the book of Acts that he defended himself. Hey, I'm a Roman citizen. Do not treat me like that. Do not treat me like that. Um, yeah, very, very, uh, very good question, Jerome. Um Mike says, uh, Daniel, the book even has Apocrypha in it. You know, once you start um, studying the Apocrypha, like how we just, just this one chapter that we read, I mean, many things that we just read are in the Bible as we, you know, commonly accepted 66 book, Protestant Bible, many things. And the more you study Apocrypha, I remember the, the first few years as I was studying the Apocrypha, it's like, man, it is it's completely in line with the scriptures. There's nothing... If there's anybody that would say that, oh, the the Apocrypha is contradictory here or there, guess what? You can use those same arguments with other books in the Bible. And, you know, atheists do it all the time. Atheists do it all the time. Oh, this contradicts that. Well, that contradicts that. Well, you know what? These, a lot of Christians do the same thing with the Apocrypha. It's like, look at, look at the big picture. You see the the theme of it, you, you know, you see the context of it. It does not contradict um, any more than First Kings contradicts First Chronicles. Does not contradict any more than Mark contradicts Matthew. When John asked a question, "Who was Esdras?" Uh, it's Esdras is a. Uh, it's the Greek form of the word of the name Ezra. Ezra. That would that would be the prophet Ezra. Jerome asking a little bit more of us, very getting a little bit more specific here. Um, I mean, it's a touchy subject. Do you think that if a man kills someone in self-defense, he is in trouble with God? Um, yeah, I, I I can't really say any more than what I've already said. We should always seek peace at every turn. Uh, self-defense is. Uh, um, is is not a sin it does not sound thou shalt not defend yourself it's it's not a sin so i mean we just got to be super careful um in every turn when it comes to that you know there are many 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 times um you know things can be avoided we just got to be uh always have peace uh, first and foremost in our mind all right, so that's that's all that I see right now. Um, yeah, so we have been going here for, it's going on four and a half hours now, um, four hours and 20-some-odd 20, 20 minutes. Tomorrow evening, we will pick up our regular nightly um, scripture reading and fellowship at 7 p.m. Eastern. And the day after, actually from Sunday all the way through to, to Friday, we will uh, we will continue with our 7 p.m. Uh, fellowship and uh, scripture reading. There there is perhaps a chance that we will have another guest on during that time. I am continually uh, inviting people and challenging people. There's this one particular gentleman. If you if I want to, I don't even know if you want to call him a gentleman on TikTok who says I can't do I can't come on I can't come on Saturdays. To to uh, debate you because I'm working. So I this was like <laughs> several days ago now. So I said to him, well, um, I'm on every night. You're welcome to come on every any night. And I give him a whole list. Same a couple guys. I give him a whole list. It's like, okay, here I'll give you like seven, eight different times during a week. If you're serious about it, you're not just yapping off. If you're just not all talking, no action, then Pick one. Pick one. I'm giving you lots of choices. Pick one. And they didn't. Of course, it's just all talk and no action. Just all words, all talk and no action. Okay. So we'll continue again tomorrow evening. We're going to pick up, uh, we're going to start with 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 2. We're going to be reading uh, uh, from uh second samuel chapter 2 verse chapters 1 through 4 also the psalms we will be reading several psalms as well uh, that correspond with those chapters so make sure you, you uh you don't miss that and um yeah make sure you're subscribed if you're not subscribed uh, that way you get notified when i go live you can come on the live chat and join us one john says thanks for that reading i'm going to use that with my non-believing friend, it is very clear. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you very much, Shalwan John. I appreciate, I appreciate you, brother. Um, blessings multiplied to you. Mark says, awesome, live, shalom. Thank you very much, Mark. Great Deception says, thank you, brother, shalom. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom to you as well. And we have Roger here again. Uh, thank you, Christopher, very much for letting me on and being so respectful. And thank you very much, Roger. Uh, thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure talking with other brothers, brothers and sisters about uh, any kind of uh, any topic. Uh, be it uh, you know, most of the topics that we talk about here are topics that are a little bit um, controversial. But I appreciate you, uh, brother Roger, and thanks again. And. Uh, Let me know, uh, you know, give me a a shout in the the emails. Um, and Maybe we can set up something else. Okay, Roger, blessings to you guys and to all you guys. uh, Mike, um, One John, Mark, The Great Deception, um, Jerome, and all you guys that are in there. I'm sorry if I miss you. Um, Jamie, Andrew, you guys are awesome. You guys are world changers. You guys are world changers, okay? Take the truth, run with it, and may the Lord give you wisdom as you do that. Blessings multiplied to you guys. I appreciate every one of you. Thank you for your time in, in the in the uh, live chat. And those of you who are not in the live chat, you're just listening. You guys are awesome, okay? I pray the Lord give you wonderful knowledge and wisdom. Uh, And revelation beyond anything that you can possibly imagine. Next year, I pray that you'll look back and say, "Wow, look at how much we have. We look at how far we've come in one year." Hey, if we're not growing, there's something wrong, right? I guess we said earlier, if we're not learning, we're not living, right? So let's let's learn, let's live, let's let's get continue to be uh, molded and shaped by by God. Amen. Amen. Okay, until tomorrow, as always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you, lift up His countenance upon you, and give you wonderful, wonderful
1: shalom. Amen, amen. See you tomorrow night.